Hello and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today, for the first time ever, we are all recording in the same room together, looking at each other's human faces, and we're deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of nervous laughter. Yeah, more than usual, which is quite a lot. We're also kind of sitting inside a blanket for it to try and like make the sound in my kitchen seem warmer, and that's fun in itself. So you know, also we're excited. all extremely sweaty because we're very well insulated in here. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> today, we're talking about Babysitter Club book. 44, Dawn and the Big Sleepover, because, oh my God, you guys, we tried to record Jesse and the Dance School Phantom. We tried like three times. And every time we did, worse things happened. It was just the most cursed recording ever. Um, <laughs> so we're pretty sure a ghost who shall remain nameless, who lives in a tunnel under Dawn's house, uh, put a curse on us. And that recording was just not meant to be. Uh, so we apologize. So yeah, we, we're steaming right through and get into this racist monstrosity. Yeah. We just had, yeah, just endless tech problems. Um, so we're going to see uh, which of those recurs in this particular case. We've got like so many different recordings happening right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and something's definitely going to go wrong with some of them. So guaranteed. Guaranteed. Oh, I think we also, um, two, two episodes ago, mistakenly said that this was going to be the next one. Um, and then we actually had our um, April Fools. Our April Fools. <laughs> Instead, yeah, we're 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 all over the place. We're all organised. Actually, we've already had the tech issues of like my husband set me up with an account on his laptop and then didn't tell me the password and then went away to camp in a field in England and where that has no phone signal and then actually got on to tell me the password and then it turns out it's not an admin account so I couldn't install Zoom and yeah. Yeah. Then I got caught in the rain while I had my laptop and my mic with me and narrowly avoided everything getting destroyed. Oh my God. I was looking out the window going, is Esther okay? <laughs> I was not okay. <laughs> we, this was torrential. Uh, we get rain in Ireland, but this was fucking rain. I was <laughs> under a tree getting splashed by cars. It was not good. It's been a bad day, you guys. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Let's see where we can go with this. Yeah. Okay. Um. Did anyone read this book before? No. Yes. A long, long time ago. Did you remember anything of it? Um. Yes, I did. Um. I think I mentioned this before. Actually, I remembered um cer- certain elements of the actual sleepover and a child suffering from a Charlie horse, which was a thing that I did not know at the time what it was, and it sounded horrifying. Um. And then as an adult, I experienced it and it is horrifying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't remember any problematic racial content. I don't even remember the extensive fundraising. Um, just the sleepover and something about pizzas. <laughs> There's so much fundraising in this. <laughs> <sighs> and it's all very wrong-headed. Um, I, I, I don't know if we want to start with a heads up and just say, like, this book is problematic. Um, it's very well meant and very um this is what passed for woke in 1991 yeah among well-meaning white people yeah yeah there's been some research done but also apparently not enough research (laughs) um and possibly not research that involved actually talking to the people who are mentioned in this as the um the beneficiaries tm of charity (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, there is a good um, there is a Goodreads review that might be worth just referring people to at the yes. outset. Um, the one star review by Lisa dated December 8th, 2016. 
Um, is very educational. Very comprehensive. Very comprehensive. Outlines many of the things wrong with this book. Um, including the fact that Anne starts off by thanking someone called Harry and Sandy Colt for their help and advice on this book. Um, and Lisa, who is from um, that part of the that part of the country, um, asked around various uh, Zuni and Pueblo people, and nobody has ever heard of Harry and Sandy Colt. And so it seems like a small enough community that if nobody's heard of you, you probably don't exist. So Anne may have just made these people up. What if it's a pseudonym? Because, like, (laughs) she wanted to say thank you to somebody for... (laughs) I wonder, might they somehow be representatives of some sort of organization that has absolutely nothing to do with Zuni or Pueblo people at all? Possibly. But that, you know, has is just some other groups of Indians and they kind of went I don't know uh, that doesn't seem too terrible I guess Uh, and (laughs) she put their names on it then also possible they they, yes they may have just agreed to this to get rid of her Um, if anyone knows anything about the elusive Harry and Sandy Cole please at us Um, but at the moment nobody's sure if they exist or not maybe don't dox the cults to be quite honest whoever they are they're already in enough trouble they've suffered enough Um, I was uh, yeah just going to say as well that um, uh, we are following guidelines suggested by the Smithsonian Museum in using the term Indians and uh, fully open to correction if this is like less than perfect terminology yes Um, uh, I wonder actually as well uh, should we get Aoife to do the one sentence summary now um, just so the people know why we're like fulminating right from the beginning. <laughs> Go on, Aoife. <sighs> the kids in Stony Brook are exchanging pen pal letters with the Zunis. Um, Comma. <laughs> <laughs> a-, a school burns down. Mm hmm. But the Zuni kids attend and um, everything gets real patronizingly racist from then on in. Uh-huh. And there's a sleepover. And there's a sleepover. <laughs> yeah. Because obviously the focus of this book is not like what happened to the kids whose school burned down or like how perhaps um, this is wrongheaded from the start and hasn't been thought through. But the focus of this book is on the big sleepover the upper middle class white kids have to reward themselves for being patronizingly generous. Absolutely, 100%. Mm-hmm. Just going to put it out there right now, the sleepover is completely unnecessary. <laughs> or, Well, I think the sleepover is kind of the big final fun um, act of the fundraising, but it would have been equally effective if they were fundraising for, like, you know, disaster relief that wasn't so problematically <laughs> situated, or for, you know, something climate related, which they were fully talking about back then as well, mm-hmm. you know, or for cats and dogs. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, but they they apparently made some bad choices in um, picking uh, the Zuni <laughs> to be the. <laughs> the victims of this particular type of wokeness. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, basically I think this is what a illegal daycare, but overnight and kind of racist. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's start with our cover art. Um, we've got the Hodges Swallow cover here. Um, it's like, it's Hodges Swallow at his best. Um, it's got lots of stuff going on. It's got lots of people. It's got action. We've got Don in the front. Uh, Stepping in between two kids. 
um, who are like playfully fighting over teddy bears, I think. And then in the back, there's a row of four boys in, for some reason, satin pajamas having a pillow fight. Uh, it's it's fun. It's good. It's a plausible scene from the book. Uh, I've got nothing against it. Um, you guys, any thoughts? Just imagine if Stony Brook High had burned down and the middle school had raised money to rebuild the high school. <laughs> I want to see those dynamics instead. Karen, Sorry, we can't fix this book. You can't headcanon this into a less problematic version of itself. I know, but sometimes I have to imagine a better world. Okay? <laughs> Even if it's not possible. I, that is shockingly blonde hair on that, like, Asian, Asian? girl at the front. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, hair dye is a thing. Like, hair dye is a thing, but, like, it, she's young enough to have hair in two little cute pigtail plaits down the back. <laughs> I mean, maybe she just has blonde hair, but it just looks like... That's several hours with a lot of bleach on your like, head. Like a scalp transplant from a Von Trapp child. <laughs> uh, no, that's got to be a wig. <laughs> I, I thought actually at first that the, the when I just glanced, I thought that it was like, because I'm looking on my phone, that it was Christy and Claudia, and Claudia was wearing some weird hat thing. <laughs> Because I, I mean, thought the girl on the right was Christy at first. She's wearing like a sports top. Oh, yeah. No, she's just a sporty child. Well, that's fair. I guess she's holding a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. But they don't look like young children, really. No. The boys at the back do. Not particularly. The boys are smaller. Um, the British cover is also disappointingly adequate. Yeah. Um, it's also a sleepover scene because nobody wanted to paint a picture of the Zuni, because then they'd have to do research. Um, we've got Don in the foreground looking deeply concerned at some boy who is just completely filthy. He's covered in mud. He's holding a dripping slice of pizza that looks like straight out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And like, he's not a pizza sauce on his face. He has brown goop on his face. He's just covered in brown. Uh, another kid is smirking at him and looks very much like he is responsible for the filthy state of this child. I think that's supposed to be a hair bow. I think that's a girl. Is it? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a girl with a weird fringe that makes it look like a boy's bowl cut. Yes, it looks like a boy's bowl cut. But okay, she has a hair bow glued to the back of her head. And a much angrier pillow fight is taking place in the background. <laughs> yes. The American pillow fight was way more like cheerful and friendly looking this looks like these boys are trying to commit murder with pillows which is the right way to have a pillow fight frankly also um can i just say that dawn's right arm is the most awkward arm i've ever seen <laughs> uh, and also disconcertingly she could be scratching her head looking at the filth of this boy but she also looks like she could be about to belt him <laughs> like <laughs> this is the last time morris <laughs> I told you to stay out of the mud pile. <laughs> and then the, the kid next to her is just smirking like, yeah, Morris. <laughs> yeah, the kid next to her is wishing ill on this dirty boy. <laughs> yes. This yes. is the evilest stare I've ever seen. Um, I think Hodges wins this week. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, but the British cover has a sort of unhinged quality that I can't help enjoying. <laughs> All right, so we start uh, chapter one with... Dawn babysitting the Pikes, and the Pikes have joined this pen pal program where they are exchanging letters with pen pals in uh, New Mexico from the Zuni. Tribe is not the right word. Um, people? People? Yeah, uh, the Zuni people. Um, I'm, I'm going off our Goodreads friend Lisa. Straight away, it gets awkward because um, 
the Pikes have some very regressive ideas of what Indians should look like and what kind of names they should have. And they're real pissed off that their pen pals just look like kids. And it's, it's, it's just, it's just a bad scene because, um, they, the kids are reeling off a bunch of stereotypes and then we're told that stereotypes are bad. Um, but also in a way that means like, it's okay. The Zuni are basically just exactly like white people. So it's non-threatening. Mm. Um, yeah. it's, it's a kind of like, yeah, it's sort of the worst of both worlds. I'm told that, um, Sesame Street went through a few different incarnations and in particular like um they they always had very good intentions but it would sort of change over time what they wanted and um the 70s had a big emphasis on we're all the same we're all one oh yeah. there's only one race and it's the human race and then over time they gradually started to be like oh we have to sort of actually showcase some diversity as well <laughs> and like get away from that the you know it's like yeah like other other people of other of other races and ethnicities they're just um they're just middle class white people basically yeah. with different hair and skin <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so that is very much the vibe here yeah he would definitely wear her shoes in her bedroom <laughs> yeah absolutely mm-hmm. <sighs> so yeah um there's going to be a lot of that the kids are disappointed that the, their pen pals don't have exotic enough surnames uh, but then it turns out that some of their surnames are a bit exotic, so everybody's happy. It's it's that kind of a vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I like in this chapter is Don describes everyone as being on the horns of a dilemma and says, they weren't really, but I read that once in a book and it cracked me up. Uh, <laughs> which just kind of made me laugh because like, it's a change from normally all of these expressions come from Watson. Um, yeah. Now mm. um, we have another source for like, hoary old phrases <laughs> um so literally all that happens in this chapter is the pikes are reading their pen pal letters uh we are told a little bit about the zuni and how they live um we are reliably informed that this information is extremely out of date and this is mostly not how the zuni live these days um or at the time it was written I or think, at the time it was yeah, yes key. by these days yeah. i meant in the 20th century and, yeah. and thereafter um and then the pike kids decide to send some gifts to their pen pals and they're sort of brainstorming what to send and they think maybe they could send some stony brook merch uh like a pennant or some decals or bumper stickers um, How big is this fucking town? <laughs> what size is this town? It's small, but actually, it has merch. It merch. Town merch. Aoife, what? Do you know where sells the merch? Where? The community centre. Obviously. <laughs> Maybe to raise money for raise those money boats. To they keep those boats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boats are cheap. <laughs> lives are cheap. Boats no. <laughs> the lives of children. Yes. <laughs> Can you not get Lusk pennants? No. <laughs> hey, we, we they, they like changed like an old cottage into like a little community centre thing now, and I think the museum maybe opens more than two days a week now. Amazing. But no, they should sell merch. They, could, they probably do sell merch these days, but it's very easy to get like personalised. I could sell yeah, merch. I could sell just Aoife merch. Yeah, this is this is pre print on demand yeah. stuff. You had to you had to go to a real print shop and everything. Like, do they have sports teams? Apart from kids doing <laughs> peewee, yeah. peewee softball. We never hear about no, them. No, they're around like the Stony Brook smashers that everyone <laughs> is a fan of. I mean, or Anne has no business, like no interest in doing 
any discussion of them whatsoever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which, yeah, no, it's just merch of Stony Brook the town. Oh, yeah, Christy doesn't even support them. No. No. Maybe they're so bad that Christy is like... <laughs> no, but like, yeah. Christy famously like likes sports, but only in like the hypothetical. She knows no right. sports in particular. I love the concept of sports. That's my personality. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that chapter. Oh, yeah, the other suggestion for what to send to the kids is t-shirts with the Pike's faces on them. Which, like, I cannot imagine a worse gift than, like, Pike triplet merch. Oh, you would hide that at the bottom of the drawer. Yes. <laughs> Man, they're trying to work out what kind of things they ha- with the, 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 that they have in Connecticut that they might not have out there. And uh, one of the suggestions is cable TV. And I'm like, does anyone have cable TV in Stony Brook? Or why, if all they watch are reruns? <laughs> That's a good point. Of 60s sitcoms. <laughs> Maybe they know that some people in Stony Brook who are presumably in the Millionaire District have cable TV, but that, like... They think, well, maybe they... The Delaney's probably yeah. watch a lot of cable TV. Not the Delaney's. Yeah. Are they the yeah, Delaney's. Delaney's? Yeah, they are. The yeah. Delaney's, yeah. We as a polity have cable TV. That's our culture. <laughs> do you get to watch it all the time? No. <laughs> One of the Zuni kids did right over Do you have Ninja Turtles there? <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I like that as, you know, indexical of how with it the Zuni kids are. <laughs> they know about Ninja Turtles. It's fine. So, yes, then Dawn ominously tells us... Um, Anyway, that's pretty much how it went that afternoon at the Pikes. That was back when the pen pal program was fun. Back when us older kids weren't involved. Simple. Easy. If only I had known what was about to happen. Which sounds really fucking dark and way darker than this book actually gets. Like, it sounds like everyone is about to get murdered. Yes, it does. Also, Dawn, you volunteered for what was about to happen. Yeah, why is she complaining? Started chapter two. Jordan wanted to tape record himself playing the piano. That's why they have a piano. <laughs> we finally find out. <laughs> One of the children plays it. <laughs> yes. Um, it's probably chopsticks. <laughs> it's from like... <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can you imagine getting a tape of that in the post and then having to write a polite <laughs> thank you note? <laughs> wow, you only got the wrong note like three times. Well done, Jordan. <laughs> I can imagine actually treasuring that to be honest and getting it out like much older as a drunk adult being like listen to this weird tape <laughs> yeah me and a friend of mine found um a bunch of anonymous cassette tapes in the school cafeteria and brought them home Ooh. to listen to to work out what was on them Ooh, was it just stuff recorded off the top 20 hits uh no it was um a load of a load of songs but definitely they had all or most of the solo album released by Agneta from ABBA <laughs> We were just like, this is great. We have no idea what's coming up next. (laughs) Just listen to the whole thing. It's really scratchy as well. (laughs) It's amazing. No, stuff recorded off the top 20 would have been a nice time capsule. This was weird. This was like, you know, what do I have on CD? What do my parents have on CD? I'll make a mixtape with that. It'll be crap. But you know what? Sometimes you gotta... I did definitely make some cassette recordings of myself very badly playing the recorder, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God, it never occurred to me to record myself playing the violin. I was terrible. I mean, both of those things would be great, like, interrogation techniques. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah. So screechy. You would crumble in seconds. When I I found an artifact from the past to my parents' attic, it's a a cassette tape, like a record-your-own cassette tape, and there's two different handwritings on it. After telling what's on it, Spice Girls and Prodigy. <laughs> and if that's not a perfect time capsule, I don't know what is. That's beautiful. We had to share it. <laughs> Although, sucks to be Rory, because I liked both of those. Ha! 
Amazing. And it was the first Spice Girls album, like, mm. <laughs> of course. Um, so Don walks home and she's in like a foul mood, basically, because she's so jealous and she wishes that she had a Zuni pen pal. Um, <laughs> like, she's so upset that she comes in and Marianne is like, what's wrong? And Donna's like, I'm just really disappointed that we can't be in the program just because we're older. And Marianne agrees that youth is wasted on the young. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely from Watson. She says it's from Richard. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's even stuffier than Watson. Um, These kids are like three years younger than you. (laughs) Relax. Richard Richard thinks youth is wasted on the young. He probably thinks they should be investing in a stock portfolio. (laughs) That's true. It's too late to get in on the ground floor. Yeah, Richard has some interesting opinions later on in this book. Fucking Richard, oh. yeah. <laughs> uh, I I don't remember it being difficult to find pen pals. I feel like any magazine that you picked up that was vaguely aimed at kids back in the day would have um like a page in it where it was like, here's some kids you can write to. Yes. Yeah. Well, Don wants an exotic Zuni pen pal. Oh, like oh, no. as I walked home, all I could think about was the Zunis. They sounded fascinating. No, they they don't appear to go by the Zunis. By the way, just mm-hmm. if anyone was wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Zuni people. Mm. <laughs> Are you writing That's also your... all Zuni is an exonym and it's not what they call themselves. Yeah. Like, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows where the word comes from. Oh, interesting. So at least it's not just like a slur from. Yeah, the no, it's oh, over. It's yeah. not that kind of exonym, but like it, you know. Stuff. I like the implication um, that the like the Zuni back home, the kids are like, "Oh, are you writing to your Stony Brooks?" <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Dawn is just in an absolute like dark night of the soul here because she doesn't have a Zuni pen pal of her very own, and Marianne is sort of trying to console her and says, "Maybe you could write to their elementary school and ask if they can like." connect you with someone in middle school and Don's like okay all right I think I can make it through the night now that you <laughs> suggested this uh, this plan is instantly dropped and never mentioned again um then Dawn uh decides it's time to tell us who everyone is so she explains who Marianne is she's sensitive pigtails blah 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 now that Richard has loosened up Marianne is no longer the oldest baby in Stony Brook which I genuinely laughed at yeah. um, and also as a matter of fact Marianne is the only one of us BSC members who's ever had a steady boyfriend. His name was, is, Marianne broke up with him, but he's still alive. Logan Bruno. <laughs> oh, my God. That cracked me up. Yeah. We disposed of him. <laughs> um, then, yeah, we get the usual facts about everyone. Um, Christy, sporty, big family, divorce. Uh, Claudia... Um, Japanese American, totally stunning, blah blah blah, outfit, uh, Nancy Drew. <laughs> I'm just really skimming over this section. Stacy, sophisticated, blonde, New York. She has a map of the city on her wall and something called an alternate side of the street parking calendar with cartoons about car parking. They're really dumb, but New Yorkers supposedly find them hilarious. Having never seen one of these things and only having the vaguest idea of what's being described here, I bet this calendar is not hilarious. Oh, no, I'm sure it's not. I actually find this kind of endearing um, that <laughs> Stacey's just like, I'm going to take this unbelievably like square, square <laughs> cultural artifact and display it proudly because <laughs> it is to do with my hometown, guys. Although, to be honest, I would expect this more of Marianne. Yes. yes. Guys, check out this cool calendar I got. It's got jokes about 
parking in New York. Isn't that so funny? Stacy being like, oh my God, Marianne, are you okay? Do you need to like do some more extracurriculars or something? (laughs) Yes, it is so cringe. And like, it's not just like, it's for adults. Parking humor is for adults. And even as adults, we don't find parking that funny. Like even when you're an adult, this is not a rich vein of humor. (laughs) What the fuck is parking humor? (laughs) I think you'd have to be from New York to really get it. Definitely. Esther. I'm just not sophisticated enough. <laughs> no. Oh, man. The, I liked in the in the Christie bio here, which you skipped over. Mm-hmm. Um, they're talking about Watson Brewer sweeps Mrs. Thomas off her feet, which is hard to imagine. He's balding and quiet and likes gardening. And I'm like, a stable, quiet man who loves kids and likes gardening must have seemed like a dream come true. Yeah. Like, and also, he's a millionaire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. A millionaire who likes gardening and likes children and, like, isn't a dickhead. and Yes, yeah. three toaster ovens. Oh, um, yeah. Stable and domesticated. Like, canonically, he's the best dad, as we've discussed here. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like, why would Elizabeth Brewer not be jumping at yeah. that? Don, just wait until you're in your late 30s and he's going to sound like a dreamboat. <laughs> yeah. Because I, mean, I was reading it going, yeah, I'd overlook the baldness. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, if I was I looking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think... All of our husbands have less hair than they once did. Considerably less, yeah. yeah. None of them are even millionaires and we still love them. I don't think your husband's doing too bad on the hair front. Yeah, he's, uh, he's hanging in there. He's hanging in there. Our, mine's not doing great now. Anyway, Karen's husband is so tall that none of us can tell from down here. I know, that's yeah, great. It's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a great advantage. Well, yeah, his, his brother gave up the ghost a while back and now just has a shaved head. Um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that Brian is doing so well actually in, in that department. Would you agree that your brother-in-law is still worthy of love, though? Absolutely. Oh, my brother-in-law is great, actually, and single. Um, <laughs> just get us up on the social, <laughs> especially if you're vegan and likes traveling. Like, yeah, absolutely vegan. Um, <laughs> and very, very quiet men. <laughs> no, uh, to be fair, that actually isn't a bad list either. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, but um, so yeah, you're doing his Tinder bio now, yeah. That's not. I got distracted here doing the Tinder bio, but yeah. Um, no, my, uh, I think three year old at the time um, asked my brother in law why he had shaved his head, and he was like, "Well, you know, um, it was starting to get kind of thin, um, and I didn't like it anymore, so I, I shaved it off." And Jeffrey was like, "Oh, okay." And did Granite Sandy not like his hair either? <laughs> <laughs> which was said within Sandy's hearing, which he laughed at a lot. So. I assume Grandad, uh, Grandad Sandy's uh, skinheadedness is a little less voluntary. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> there's a there's a bit of male pattern balding <laughs> happening in, in that side. On my side, um, the kids are getting uh, unbelievably early graying. <laughs> pattern so they've got that to look forward to <laughs> oh boy well i mean what my husband started getting his first grace when he was about 11 or 12 oh yes your husband is such uh, a he was completely gray by the time he was um like 25 and now at like 38 he's his hair is white and his beard is 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 getting towards that kind of steel gray color it used to be dark but it ain't no more <laughs> so he's heading on for full-on santa claus by the time he's 45 45 <laughs> He doesn't look, you know, older other than that. Like he's, yeah, he's got quite no, a no, like facially he does, but it's hard to tell. He's mostly beard. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't look. Uh, he's more beard than man. <laughs> he keeps it trimmed these days because we have a baby. Uh, baby <laughs> yeah. likes to grab. <gasps> all right, we're all hot for Watson. I think we can agree. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> stability. <Ooh. laughs> I know. <laughs> stability sluts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's the agent stage, yeah. (laughs) 
Um, we also hear that Stacy has diabetes and it's a pain in the ass. There's absolutely no mention about the fact that she nearly died like two books ago. Um, this is just completely skimmed over. Um, we also hear about the junior babysitters. One is white, one is black. John Philip Ramsey Jr. had a low birth weight and nobody will ever let him forget it. Um, <laughs> the poor child. I know. They have a unspecified vegetarian dinner and Dawn feels a bit better because maybe, maybe there's a way she can get a Zuni pen pal of her own. <laughs> um, <laughs> on Friday, they go to a club meeting. Um, Dawn has to admit that she had sort of forgotten about the entire pen pal thing. <laughs> um, I forgot that I wanted to own a person yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I moved on. So they're having a babysitter's club meeting. So Dawn is telling us about back in the day, BW, before Watson, Christy came up with the great idea of having the babysitter's club. It really wasn't before Watson. He was definitely like a part of her life. That was the whole plot of that book. Mm. Um, I guess Dawn hasn't read it. Dawn didn't live there at the <clears throat> time. So yeah. this is this is just lore to her. <laughs> Um, she tells us about Logan, Bruno, and Shannon being the um, backup people that they call on if they're all busy. She's not interested in telling you about them. Good. Uh, she tells us what kid kits are. She tells us about scheduling, Mal's orthodontist appointments. Do we ever in these books actually see Mal having an orthodontist appointment? No. Is there ever, I like, think so. an orthodonty scene? <laughs> no, she has braces, which she hates. Yeah. Um, and that is part of her persona. Um, we don't see Claudia making jewellery either, which would be kind of fun, you know, because yeah. a description of like, like yeah, some... what sort of gear does she have? Does she have the pliers? You yes. know, the wire wrap? I, I, bet yeah. she has, I bet she has like a set of pliers in different sizes and degrees of pointiness. <laughs> yeah, and wires of different thicknesses and colours. Yeah. Yeah. She oh. probably comes into like SMS the next day and she's like, oh God, I slept so badly because I just found all my bead pliers in my bed. I just <laughs> left them in there. <laughs> Yeah. I would fully read a long scene where she's just making things out of FIMO to attach earrings to. <laughs> oh man, yeah, great. Yeah, be so fun. So, yes, they have the reading. Um, Jesse is doing stretches. They're sitting in idiosyncratic ways. Uh, it's <laughs> They're all bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry. only we can say that. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Silence token straight. <laughs> Oh, and we're at the same side of the table. Yep. <laughs> you can stare judgingly at her. Mm. I, uh, oh man, you should have seen that stare, guys. <laughs> so Mallory comes in late and she's not even sorry. She is looking distraught because, dun dun dun, the plot has got underway. The Pen Pal School in New Mexico has burned down. Um, there was a gas station fire and the school was destroyed and so were some homes. The kids are all very upset. Stacy says in a low voice, I wish there was something we could do. Maybe there is, I said. Mallory looked at me hopefully. What? I didn't know the answer to that question. <laughs> Dawn, this is not helpful at all. <laughs> Maybe they should consult Charlotte Johansson and have her give some incredibly banal generic very statements. Very wise advice, you mean. Yes. Yes. Wise wisdom. And th- that, if that doesn't sum up the fucking problem with everything Dawn does in this book. Yes. Like, Maybe there's I something have, I could do, but I don't know what it is. Even setting the racism aside, like, I have a lot of, like, issues with the logistics here. She thought so none many. of this through. No. None of this through. Mm-hmm. None of it. I'm so angry. I know. I, I have so many angry emoji notes towards the end of this book. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not a good fundraiser, you guys. No. It's terrible. So, it's a Friday mm. night, but Dawn doesn't feel like it because she's so upset about the, the fire. Um, she says that sometimes 
They usually on a Friday night at their house, they eat lots of leftovers, but sometimes they get a takeaway. Marianne and her chatter five miles a minute. When we're not talking, we're shoveling in food or laughing. I know this makes us sound like pigs, but we're actually neat about it. It's fine. You're tweens. Nobody really expects you to be elegant eaters. But also, like, I mean, it doesn't make you sound like a pig to eat and talk and laugh. Like it's that's, fine. That's, that's a real normal thing. That's how... How meals often go? It's it's okay. Yes. And yeah, if you're not if you're doing it in a dainty and ladylike manner, then why are you using the word shoveling? Like <laughs> you're controlling this narrative, John. <laughs> you don't have to depict yourself in this way. I have a pet peeve about um a lot of food descriptions. Part of the whole mouth phobia. I was just gonna say, <laughs> is this part of your mouth phobia? I, I think it generally is. Um but it, to be honest, um I don't see the a need for the word munching to be used ever ever <laughs> under any circumstances um and i think i particularly object to there was one one really really bad like sci-fi novel fantasy type of thing that i was reading at one point which just depicted the ass kicking heroine in a bazaar somewhere uh middle eastern styled where she was um uh, bargaining hard for a pair of daggers while munching on dates and I was like you're spitting dates all over the, the poor person no wonder they're going to give you a discount that's disgusting don't yeah, describe how fun. someone's eating Get, tell me what they're eating I want to know every detail I don't want to know what it looks like while they're chewing uh, yes you can have the dates for less because they're all I mean you can have the daggers for less because they're all datey now they cannot be sold again oh man now you see just out of sheer bloody mindedness I started like mentally thinking how would I compose the worst paragraph in the world for Karen to read and I, I, I then was like no that's me don't do it but I want to <gasps> do it do it and like record okay. yourself reading it and record my reaction how why don't I record myself <laughs> reading it while eating something sticky yes <laughs> so, and then I can try and edit that audio and make it presentable <laughs> that can be my torture alright well I mean I'm going to need some time to get this really good so we're not doing it today definitely we'll get you some chewy sweets or something I'm, <laughs> I'm intrigued bar <laughs> Yes. Yeah. This this can be revenge for when we're thinking of torture scenarios for me that involve people in full body suits and tunes <laughs> and stuff. This is this is what we do to Karen. ASMR torture. Yeah, I don't like ASMR much either. <laughs> okay, can we talk about Richard and how much of a dick he is? Yeah. Oh my god, he's such a prick. So Dom tells them about what's happened and she's very upset. Mom listened patiently, nodding with concern. <clears throat> how awful, she murmured after I'd finished. Maybe they didn't have a good sprinkler system, Richard added. <laughs> to be honest, that seemed like a pretty strange reaction, but I didn't say so. I guess not, I replied with a shrug. I quite like that she does call him out here. Yes. That she's like, what? Well, at least in- internally she calls him out. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. She, she highlights that the, this is weird. The narrative calls him out. Yeah. I, I gotta say, if you were next to a flaming petrol station, I'm not sure how good a sprinkler system is going to be. Yeah. That's yeah. a... a big fire that has taken place it, it is a multi-building fire <laughs> it is like yeah. yeah literally described as such this is like, not yeah yeah this is more of an explosion than a fire and like yeah i don't think a sprinkler would have cut it richard also you victim blaming dick yeah and i'm glad for like i'm i'm it's a problematic book but i'm glad they didn't decide to have people actually killed in this explosion yes but i think in real life the it would have been terrible. It's like there's a yeah. Thomas the Tank Engine episode where, um, which my, I know word for word because my child was obsessed with it for about two years, um, which, where there's a train derailment, uh, which is based on a real fucking train derailment that killed like 15 people. Oh my God. Oh my God. In the 19th century. And they do a fun little Thomas the Tank Engine um, thing about it where uh, a guard loses his hot chocolate and is very put out about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and looks up the and is like, tragedy. Wow. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, he's mad. He's really annoyed. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is just Richard being real um, this personal is like responsibility conservative here. Like. Bootstraps, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is, I think he's here to show that sometimes people don't much like, uh, there are people out there who think um, charity begins at home. Um, yeah. Or, yeah. or in, it basically is, I won't donate to whatever thing it is. Like, yeah. I don't like your good cause. Um, and he, he's kind of like, genuinely, I'm getting that vibe of like, um, well, you can't feed seagulls, you know, because then they'll breed. <laughs> like, this is, and that's, that is the same line of logic yeah. that, you know, starts with charity begins at home and ends with like, well, maybe they brought it on themselves. Well, it yeah. starts with charity begins at home and it ends with, well, if they were insisting on having so many children and eating only potatoes back in the 1840s. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is nature's out. way of sorting that out, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Richard yeah. is a Malthusian here. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. like, it, it's, a, it's a weirdly, it is out of character because he's normally way sounder than this. This is like Richard at his worst pre-book four, like absolute bottom of the barrel Richard carry on. He's not normally like this. Yeah, it's I don't weird. think we've had an opportunity to see whether he's like this normally. He's been nicer, like when he told Marianne that like she had to adopt a homeless kitten instead of buying one from a breeder and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, like, just because he didn't yeah. want to spend money. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that money could go into the investment portfolio. Those mutual funds aren't going to buy themselves. I feel like Sharon is hippie enough leaning that it is weird of her like to marry somebody with these views. It's like, true. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, oh, but maybe I don't know. Maybe like childhood sweetheartism. Yeah, although overcomes everything. Thing. Sharon is kind of like weak sauce here as well. Mm. Um, so Marianne and Don are really distraught, and uh, Mom gave us both a sympathetic smile. It is unfair, she said, but the important thing is that no one was seriously hurt, and they'll rebuild whatever was destroyed. She shrugged. Life goes on. My nose just say thoughts and prayers. <laughs> like, <laughs> thoughts and prayers. This is so <laughs> fucking like wishy washy. Like, it's fine. They'll be grand. Let's forget about it. <laughs> Yeah. At the same time, I'm not sure what I would do, right? As a person who is probably meant to be about the same age as these adult characters, if a teen was like, oh my god, several thousand miles away a building burnt down, I'd be like, oh that sucks, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays I think you could be I'm like... no one got hurt. <laughs> if you're really upset about this, is there GoFundMe? Yeah, yes. I mean like, yeah. that's, but there wasn't there yeah. wasn't that option then, yeah. so like, I'm not sure what they were supposed, Sharon was really supposed to do other than say, well, you know, no one got hurt, they're going to be able to rebuild it's gonna be okay yeah, yeah but she didn't she yeah. doesn't sound as reassuring as that that sounds more like i want to just move this conversation on that's, asap that's i mean also possibly they do yeah <laughs> um let's not ruin dinner you guys <laughs> yeah, it's the life goes on that makes that sound callous and the shrug yeah, yeah. So Mallory calls up after dinner to discuss this some more or sorry don calls Mallory after dinner to talk about this some more um and they realize that sending a pennant and some decals to the kids now seems kind of inappropriate um, for, like, when people are homeless. Um, I didn't know what to say. I had th- hadn't thought of it that way. Sending cute little souvenirs would make it seem like we weren't taking their crisis seriously. I mean, the Stony Brook merch was always a terrible gift idea, but they're not wrong that it's a worse idea now. <laughs> I mean, the Stony Brook merch is, however, a really, like, 100% solid, typical... Um, pen pal yeah it's like hey yeah. here is me and where i'm from 
Like, it's not the sort of gift you actually want to receive, but it is absolutely appropriate pen pal gifting. Yes. Not disaster response gifting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry about your house, but here's a a sticker that you can put on your wall when you have a house again. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) With the name of a small town in Connecticut that no one's ever heard of on it. I I agree, actually, as a pen pal gift, it's not the worst. It's like someone coming back from their holiday and bringing you a fridge magnet from, like... Um, I don't know, Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> like, oh, I've never been there, but I guess I'll put this on my fridge. You said Rio de Janeiro, I said Pondoran. <laughs> the two genders. <laughs> put them next to each other. I Actually, I think I would love a Pondoran one. It's like, just so... <laughs> or Knock. Knock is where people oh, give yes. you the worst souvenirs from. Those, those, those Holy Mary... Holy water fountains with the blue hats that screw off, the blue crowns that screw <laughs> off, so you can bless people. Tell me more about your exotic culture, Eva. <laughs> I have no idea what you're describing. Irish grannies have like five million cheap ass hollow plastic Virgin Mary statues. They're just kind of not white, white, but just sort of opaque, clear white. Okay. And they're full of water from Knock or Lords or Medjugorje or wherever someone went to that was holy. <laughs> okay. And they all have a blue crown that is the screw top for the cap. Okay. And they all sit in the porch or somewhere growing green algae. Okay. And when you leave the house to go on a journey, water gets flung at you so that you don't crash the car on your way home. Cool. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and that's how religion works. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And just to showcase the diversity of Irish um, religious cultural tat that is available um myself and esther i don't know what we were doing here we found um or we found ourselves on the shop of the irish jewish museum uh, and it is possible to get a um I need to go there since 1996 the museum might be good actually but the um the <laughs> the gift shop oh that's a, let me okay, see this is a oh it looks like there's two types of it it's a um decorative menorah an irish themed menorah which costs 210 euros. That does look like it's really expensive, but what? Oh, well, it looks like it's made of silver. It's very shiny. It's It's probably like chrome plated or something like this. It's it's like a flat um, rectangle Slab. slab with like slots for the candles and then a harp at the back of it. I mean, and I can't see what this is. Is that a Star David? Here, you take it away. Yeah, it fits the design brief of an Irish-looking menorah, and but it's as ugly as possible. <laughs> it's got what appears to possibly be the symbol of the Irish Jewish Museum, which is a, a harp in the middle of a Star Sir David. Oh, we got the right hand side. That's actually. I mean, it's it's kind of like obscure, but like. <laughs> At least looks like it involves craftsmanship. Oh yeah, and the it's priced to to match. And, I would yeah. <laughs> I, the thing I like most about it is that um, the vibe I'm getting, and presumably the type of t- skill that was needed to create it, is real modern sports trophy. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> the, this harp is not detailed or particularly aesthetic. It's streamlined. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> Minimalist. Anyway, if you're into this, you can get it off the website. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by the Irish Jews Museum or Knock Shrine. I don't think either of them are going to thank us for these shout outs. I mean, Hopefully I think yeah. the menorah could be like ugly, but really good quality. Like that's it. I have a feeling it is. How good quality does a menorah need to be? All it needs to do is not fall apart such that the candles set your house on fire. I mean, you could kill a man with that. Yes, you could. <laughs> it would be it's very... Not- I didn't say it, it looks heavy. to be that good, but like it looks like it's it's like it it looks like there's like a good amount of that two hundred euros worth of materials gone into it. That's true. That's true. You no, know, that's kind of what I meant. <laughs> there is a lot of metal. Yeah. 
So Dawn goes back to her room feeling like a real jerk. Um, she has decided based on nothing that the Zunis are definitely impoverished compared to the people of Stony Brook. I know that the person who wrote the thing didn't agree with that. The Wikipedia article seems to agree that there's quite a low median wage. Yeah. Um, but then again, they also have like a largely, a, a, a more sort of community self-sufficient, everyone helping each other out. So the actual way income of each household doesn't matter so much. Yeah. Either way, Stony Brook is super white bread. So it's quite possible that they are wealthier than most places. Nobody has a fountain shaped like a goldfish that spits water out of its mouth, guys. Nobody has a cat that costs $400. Even in regular Stony Brook, you know, (laughs) even regular Stony Brook, people's parents are like, run the library and are engineers and are architects and, and the things. pikes have a grand piano and the pikes have a grand piano in their heads nobody is like working in a supermarket at the checkout no, no. one's parent is like doing that kind of thing <laughs> that's true no one's parent is on minimum wage here yes oh man they really have to externalize poverty they have to locate it in like just yeah. far away it's just the otherest thing imaginable <laughs> yes. i think they encounter some in new york in a future book <laughs> Of course. Oh, there's definitely the the, the soup kitchen um, plan. Not just that one, but I think that they meet a kid who is like from an apartment that <gasps> is nothing like Stacy's. They don't live in the Dakota building. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it doesn't have a doorman. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. I said poverty was being externalized, but yes, as you say, there's <laughs> lower <laughs> middle classness is being externalized here. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Dawn uh, reflects on what you, what would you need the most if your home uh, got destroyed? And she thinks a place to sleep, food, clothes and money. Um, there wasn't much she could do about the first problem. I hoped that the families had moved in with friends temporarily. That left food, clothes and money. And I knew we could help out with those. So she goes over and... Talks it out with Marianne, uh, distracting her from reading a Judy Bloom paperback called Tiger Eyes. There's our obligatory book shout out. Um, and she says that she's had an idea that they could have a food drive, collect canned food and a clothing drive. And finally, some sort of fundraiser. Fundraiser? Yeah, I don't know how much money we can get, but anything's better than nothing, right? Anything's better than nothing is like the mission statement of all of the charitable charitable activities in this. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, my first comment on the logistics. First of all, SES could have a food drive. How are you getting it to Arizona, Dawn? Glossed yeah. Over. How are you getting thousands of cans of fucking tuna? <laughs> because we know that's mostly what's going to be donated. Which can be purchased quite easily in Arizona if people actually want tuna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you uh-huh. need... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I had questions about this when it was represented in Clueless. Do you remember? And yeah. The Pismo Beach, Beach disaster. <laughs> At least those kids were supposed to be oblivious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think they need your skis, Cher. <laughs> Some people like everything. everything. Don't you think that includes athletic equipment? (laughs) Yeah, this is literally that only played completely straight. Yeah. Um, So they consider whether all of this is actually going to be feasible or not. And they're going to need some teachers to get involved. Uh, Dawn insists that this will be totally fine. But then she secretly goes to her room and worries. Spoiler, it's going to be totally fine. Um, so the next day, she does a little bit of light stalking 
um, and looks up one of the teachers at the elementary school in the phone book. Um, <laughs> this this is so quaint. So she rings Jay Besser because uh, she's looking for Ms. Besser. And a man answers the phone and thinks it's one of the kids from the elementary school, which Don is furious about. And then realizes, oh, maybe this is the kind of in I need. Maybe Mrs. Besser will refuse to talk to me unless she thinks I'm one of her pupils. Uh, then she remembers that, like, Jeff was a troublemaker in her class because he was, like, traumatized. And maybe Mrs. Besser is going to hate her. But this all turns out fine. Mrs. Besser is delighted to hear from her and wishes Jeff well. So this was really just filler. They don't really discuss that previous encounter, do they? Like, no. That, that, hap- that was detailed. Yeah. Um, Dawn, yeah, Dawn did go... She yeah, met her. Yeah, she, she had to bring her. the kids in the t- wagon. Yeah, and that and was it. She was babysitting and they got a call that Jeff had been... And her mom was at work and she had yeah. to come and pick him up. And oh God, yeah. And Ms. Besser did not behave the best in that scenario. She really gave Dawn a lot of grief for um, stuff that was very Jeff-related. And clearly, like, Dawn yes. is a sibling and not a, a parent. parent. And even if Dawn was a parent, like... There needs to be like collaboration here. Yes. Not like yeah. the teacher going, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. Yes. You literally. need to sort this out. <laughs> I wouldn't have picked Ms. Besser, I think. <laughs> I know. You mean as a name or as a point of contact? As a point of contact, I feel like someone you don't have a negative prior experience. <laughs> she is also a bit be. more of a Miss Worser. Yes, <laughs> she absolutely is. <laughs> Besser is is that German? German for better. For better. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's a Miss Schlimm. Miss Schlimm. Miss Schlechter? Schlimmer? Yeah. Miss Schlechter. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think Schlimmer I took German is... along to Schlimmer. Yeah, yeah Schlimmer. Schlimmer. I think Schlimmer is kind of slightly worse than Schlechter, maybe. Yeah, fair. Like, mm. It's kind of shittier. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Miss Schreiser. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Furchtbar. <laughs> the four elementary teachers of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this is so dorky even for us <laughs> I just love Miss Brooke it's so good I don't love her I'm afraid of her no that's fair she carries a ruler like she might hit you with it absolutely <laughs> she might throw a duster at your head yeah. so um, anyway, the phone call goes well. Miss Besser is totally on board with this and says that um, she'll talk to the other teachers and that if she has any say in it, the other teachers will also be on board with this because they've if they're going to be pen pals, they've got to be pals and they shouldn't let down their pals. Then Dawn tells Christy about it and thinks this would be a good BSc project. And Christy obviously is 100% on board and says... Um, We've got to figure out what to do and how to get the kids excited and all that stuff. Then Don worries a bit that Christy is going to take over the whole thing and steamroller her in like classic Christy fashion. But the opening of the next chapter makes clear that Christy isn't going to do that this time. Christy has all the chill. So. Christy basically mm. just chairs the meeting, actually. Yeah. She's just like, you know, I've called this meeting. I'm going to let Don explain. Yep. Don. <laughs> Christy Don is, is her best self, actually. She is. Dawn is a POV character in this book, so I'm going to step back for some reason. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's very convenient. <laughs> we don't have space for that type of conflict here. So, yeah. like the, I started off with uh, highlighting, I let Dawn explain and going, go Christy, chairing the meeting. And then later, Christy cut them off. Wait a minute. Is there a motion to put this to a vote? 
Ah, Christy, chairing the meeting. <laughs> yeah, there's the Christy we know. Well, she's got to get her bit as well. Yeah, no, it's fair. <clears throat> I mean, she's not controlling what happens, like, other than the mechanics yep. of the meeting, which is very much chairing the meeting. Yes. Yeah. She loves the admin of the meeting, but... you, you got to pay the Christy tax, which is a vote of some kind, and after that... <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, uh, Dawn outlines what she's thought of, um... Christy says that they have to know the who, what, when, where, and why of their project. Um, so who is the kids in pens across America? What is a door-to-door food and clothing drive? Um, they're going to collect canned food, dry, dry goods, old clothes, shoes. Marianne specifies that the clothes should be clean, which like should not need specifying, but absolutely need specifying. Yes, 100%. Oh, so you've worked at a charity shop that needs specifying, right? <laughs> yep. Yes, absolutely does need specifying. Uh, yeah, I have that, like a, a small bit of charitable work experience. And uh, yes, the, the type of things that people gave us were um, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of great things as well. Like we, we had like occasional like, designer clothes who were like we can't sell this for a fraction of what it's worth damn it (laughs) um but yeah we also had a restaurant across the road where the staff decided that um one of the quickest um and easiest things to do to get rid of some stuff they've been told to get rid of was to donate it to us (laughs) Um, i went through it and was like we can keep these wine glasses but like we've got broken rubber mats here and my boss rang the restaurant across the road and was like tell your staff to come back and pick this up Amazing. Which they did. Good. That restaurant is not there anymore. Good. <laughs> it, it has been replaced by something else. <laughs> so then Mallory suggests that to get the kids of Stony Brook excited about collecting um, donations, they should give out some sort of prizes or awards uh, for the people who collect the most. And Marianne suggests a big party for everyone so it's not too competitive. Um, they bat around a couple of suggestions and then Dawn has the idea, how about a big sleepover? Um, so they decide that they're going to have a big pajama party. They're going to serve pizza and maybe have some games. They're um, going to do it at the school gym and maybe some of the school staff could participate because what would a teacher like more than unpaid <laughs> overtime spending all night looking after the kids that they've been fucking trying to make do maths all day? You know what they'd love more? Doing all that in a situation that they almost certainly don't have insurance for. Yeah, sounds great. Yep. Did you have to have insurance for that kind of thing back in the day? Probably not. I mean, not. yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you only have to have insurance if something happens and someone sues you for it. Yeah, so... Like, I mean, if that doesn't happen, then it, the insurance is a moot point, right? <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true 1990s person. <laughs> yeah. This is a nightmare. I'm thinking of how every big event involves just so much crepe paper in terms of decorations <laughs> yeah. um, and just how flammable that must be. Yeah. So. Well, I bet Stony Brook Elementary has a good sprinkler system, so it's fine. Mm. Are they next to a petrol station? <laughs> I also did. <laughs> yes. So, Uh-oh. yeah, then Christy reflects that um, they have thought of all of that, but they haven't decided how to get the kids to raise money for the fundraising part of it. Um, and then they all sit there in silence and Mallory is like, let's just let the kids come up with ideas. So they decide that's fine. And the girls have done enough. Yay. Yeah. They're more blue sky, um, imagination. Well, they're <laughs> Big ideas. They're remembering all the ways the Pike kids came up with of earning money previously. Yeah. And yeah. they did come up with a whole bunch of ways. So like, yeah, okay. These kids can probably just figure that out themselves. It's fine. It's just funny that they just are like, no, we've thought enough for one meeting. Although, quite frankly, the way I had of earning money when I was a kid was 
to get it off my parents. Um, and that remains the way. Wait, no, a barber job week, I used to deadhead my grandparents' daffodils. Oh. I occasionally used to file papers for my dad for 2p a paper, but it was so boring that I just refused to do it after about two sessions. I would... We would be offered money to do tasks such as weeding the drills of Christmas trees and um, like there was literally no amount of money that could have made that worth it for me. But like we also just had to do it. <laughs> what he did pay us and he would be like 20p a drill, 10p for the short drills. And then he would pay us way over because I think he saw how much we suffered. <laughs> That's nice. I think that... Um, he would also make our friends do it if they came to the house. No, no. It was really bad. Like, people were like, I don't want to play with you. <laughs> dad makes us work. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go to Aoife's house. Her dad makes us, like, uses this as child labor. Oh, my God. That is so bleak. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, I feel so bad for you. I think the traditional way that you dress up... Um, the fact that most kids are going to ask their parents for money is you get them to sell raffle tickets. I think that's the purpose of it. It's putting it's a, a middleman, which is the form of a possible prize yeah, <laughs> between yeah. you and the... And you could do a sponsored walk or something. Yeah. Ah, yeah. mm. I suppose you could. We had a girl in my class who um, just ha- had a very large amount of her extended family living in the same building and she always absolutely wiped the floor with everyone else in our class and everyone else in the school. So we were we were occasionally got prizes based on her output. <laughs> Nice. Um, for raffle ticket sales. Um, I my, I follow the traditional method of remembering the night before and then going, oh crap, and buying all the tickets. <laughs> yeah, we used to have a like aluminium can collection um, once a year where like you'd collect them and bring them in to be recycled and there was a prize for who got the most. But there was one girl in our class who lived at a secondary school where her dad <gasps> was a caretaker. So she would just bring in the entire contents of the can bins from the secondary school and have like her mum would borrow a pickup truck from someone and drive over with like huge bin bags full of cans. And it was like, oh, surprise, surprise. She got the prize this year again. <laughs> wow. We, yeah. um, I would have like two cans because like we also weren't really allowed to have soft drinks at home. So. Yeah, we yeah we weren't. And also what we did, like my parents bought the two litre bottles and we would drink out of that. So we never had cans in the house. And I lived in the countryside. There weren't like passers-by throwing rubbish around. So yeah, I just could not participate in that. Yeah. I remember a child my own age explaining, because I had neglected to do the can collection thing because we also didn't have cans and I never remember this type of thing. Um, oh yeah, my parents would be embarrassed to give me the beer cans. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well my friend was like, um, she had a good bag of them and I was like, oh, how did you get this many? And she said, well, here's what you have to do. Like, um, you get some beer out of the fridge and you say to your dad, why don't you drink the beer? And then when he finishes that, you give him another one. And I was like, <laughs> Maggie, did you just like get your dad to drink a six pack so that you can bring these in? And she was like, yeah, no, there's no problem with this at all. I think we were very small. I like this kid. I hope she went far. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, if somebody was handing me, like, can after can of cold beer, I'd be like, oh, what a a nice day. (laughs) It's for a good cause. I'm having a lovely afternoon. (laughs) She, last I heard, is a product designer and a noodle bowl that she made was on sale in Target and she put up pictures of it. Nice. (laughs) That's kind of cool. I'm so happy for her. That's (laughs) amazing. Yes. So next we have a Stacy chapter and Stacy is over babysitting Charlotte um, and eating the worst snack in the world. Just as a side note, they have unsalted pretzels. Um, Stacy pulls out a bag that says pretzels au naturel, low sodium. And Stacy's mm. like, it's, a, it's fine. There's salt in them, just not on them. I feel so sad. 
Yeah. Salt is part of the original medieval recipe like, for pretzels. The whole point of the pretzel is that there's, like, you have, that's what makes it pretzely. This is what happens when your mom is a doctor, I guess. I feel very bad for Charlotte. Also, like, one of the pleasures that Stacy can have is pretzels. <laughs> salt. Salt. She's allowed so few vices. <laughs> So Charlotte is also in the pen pal program. So she shows Stacy a letter from her. Um, and Charlotte's pen pal has uh, lost her house and she's staying with relatives. Um, she sort of, it, it's a very, um, the letter is calculated to wring a single tear from the eye of the reader. I think it's fair <laughs> to say. <laughs> And Stacy feels very sad, and so does Charlotte. And now Charlotte's worrying because it's Charlotte, and she always worries. So Stacy decides to distract her by telling her about the food and clothing drive and the fundraiser and everything. And Charlotte gets very excited. Um, then, yes, it's time for Charlotte to drop some of her patented wisdom mm-hmm. uh, because Stacy admits that they haven't figured out how to actually tell everyone that they're doing this. And Charlotte suggests that they have a big assembly at the elementary school and tell everyone that they're doing this. Again, where would we be without Charlotte? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the queens of flyers. Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised that wasn't the, <laughs> the obvious I think thing. flyers happen later on, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I read this a month ago. Um, <laughs> I, I was like... I've been very busy, but also I just could not face reading it again. So I'm really relying on you guys' notes. That's legit. So, yes, they decide that um, this is the perfect solution. And Charlotte is very excited about this and has stopped worrying. So basically, that's that, that was the object so of the did. exercise. So. Mm, um, then they off-screen get permission to go to the elementary school and hold an assembly. And we catch up with the girls uh, about to be excused from school. Um, they're going to head over to the elementary school and do the world's fastest assembly and then go back to school. Um, Dawn is very nervous because she knows that these kids are uh, not all angels, as she puts it. <laughs> um, and she's afraid they're all going to kick off uh, while she's making a speech. So... The school secretary drives them off to the elementary school in her station wagon and admits that she's actually delighted to be doing this because it gets her off work. (laughs) Which is very (laughs) fair play, very relatable, very honest of her. I like that. Mrs. Besser says, hi, you must be Dawn. You look just like your brother. I don't think so, but everyone says I do. Anyway, I think I nodded and said thanks or something else meaningless. (laughs) Dawn has literally met this woman before. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This has just been retconned. Also, what are you meant to say when the ghost someone goes, it says you look like someone? I'll tell you what's worse. One of my sisters was once introduced to someone as like, oh, she's so-and-so's sister, talking about our other two sisters. And the person said, but they're really pretty. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. There, there, there was no salvaging the conversation. <laughs> they <No>. tried. <laughs> it didn't help. Jesus, that's bad. Yeah. So it could be worse. Okay, yeah, it's fair. <laughs> Go to set, but God, Jeff is like a earlier version of your brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, like also, if you happen to not be like you're not, <laughs> if you're not that keen on how your sibling looks, <laughs> that's true. Different 
style. Maybe you're like, oh, do I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. I just um like really want to argue with people when they tell me that my baby looks like me. I'm like, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. Like, he just doesn't. Like, literally, they could have just cloned him entirely from Rick's genetic material if yeah. they had had the time and energy to do that at the IVF centre. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to clone the babies. It's such a faff. Let's just use just... an egg and a sperm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Old school. Old school. So Dawn gives her speech. Um, she initially is reading from her prepared notes and realises that the kids aren't paying attention. But then she decides to speak from the heart and the kids instantly connect with that and they start listening um, so she tells them about the plan and about what's happened to the Zuni people and the food drive and everything. And then she tells them about the slumber party and the kids go absolutely nuts and they're very excited. So Dawn believes in herself again, basically. Yeah. Then we get some really bad charitable fundraising advice. Firstly, uh, Dawn has said that the whole thing is going to be a surprise and nobody is allowed to let on to their pen pals that any of this is happening because you definitely shouldn't consult with the people who you're purporting to help. <sighs> so, yeah, that's that's the first giant mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, no, don't surprise people with, with charity. I mean, even that's if horrible. they weren't going to tell the pen pals, like it really is on the people organising this to consult with maybe the head of the elementary school. Yeah, or the parents or some kind of representative. Who are are affected. Uh, Perhaps there is some sort of an organisation there that they could contact. They don't want to do that because that might get in the way of um, their... White saver complex. White saver (laughs) complex and their desire to get rid of a load of crap. (laughs) Yeah, it would be like either that's so kind of you but like money is the most useful thing now uh, which is often the case or maybe Usually, don't yeah. do that because of x y and z reasons about structural funding yes <laughs> which uh, were detailed by lisa in the goodreads yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I remember in uh yeah i remember when the war in ukraine started yeah there was a lot of people going just send money we could we buy this stuff mm. a, a lot nearer to ukraine and ship it over for a lot less we don't need things we yeah. need money mm-hmm. yeah that- people want to send objects but it's often really unhelpful and sometimes there is a need for specific objects and you can send those and in that case it's really important to know what they are Mm -hmm. and what is required and that you're giving people things that are in good condition or often preferably new yes (laughs) none of that happens here um i also love that uh they're like now we need you to not tell so we're having an assembly to tell you not to tell. I'm going to tell like 200 people in this town that they have to keep a secret. That is the best way to keep a secret. 200, 200 small children. Incubescent <laughs> children, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, cool. Then, That'll work. Then another kid asks, how long is the drive going to last? And Donna's like, about three weeks. Longer if it's going really well. I feel like... A, three weeks is a really long time for these people to have to wait for donations of clothes and food if they... If they need them now, yeah. If they wanted clothes and food, they're going to need them as soon as possible. Also, if the drive is going really well, shouldn't that mean shorter because you've got more stuff and you can send it faster? Like, it went so well, we decided to delay these donations by another month. Yep. Logic. Yeah. All of this is terrible. Yeah, this is not how to do it. So we get some more token rowdiness from the kids, but um, their hearts are in the right place, TM, and everyone is excited to raise some funds. Um, next chapter is a, 
Mallory and Jesse. Uh, Mallory and Jesse have organized a carnival in the Pike's backyard. Um, the carnival is genuinely good fun. The carnival yeah. is genuinely good fun, yes. <laughs> yes. This was an excellent Pike shenanigans chapter. Yes. It's so chaotic. Yes. Um, so the various kids have set up various activities that people can pay to participate in. So Adam and Byron have set up a free throw contest. Don says, it cost a quarter to try, so I don't know why they called it free throw. All I know is when I asked them, they rolled their eyes as if I were really stupid. Like, even us middle-aged nerds know what a free throw is, because yeah. like we went to school where they make you play basketball. Like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. how, how does Don not know this? Like, she lives in a country where basketball is actually a mainstream sport. Yes. Come on. <laughs> and they also could have said, oh, it's a basketball term. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, they weren't going to do that because it's the pike triplets. Well, yeah. just yeah. snotty yeah. at her instead. <laughs> um, Nikki and Jordan have made a grab bag with little prizes in it. Uh, Vanessa and Margot have made a fishing pond in a wading pool with little rubber ducks. And you can get prizes for hooking ducks. Jessie and her cousin Keisha, who's finally made an appearance, um, are yeah. taking Polaroid pictures of people in a nice spot of the garden <laughs> for a fee. And Jessie is also taking candids. Um, this is very cute and also mm. like uh, as someone who's into camera stuff I'm like sweating at the thought of how expensive all that Polaroid film would be now because like that stuff is not cheap <laughs> yeah it's all free when your parents pay for it that's though. true good point uh, Marilyn and Carolyn Arnold have turned up they've organized a ring toss David Michael is making plastic name tags and messages for people using one of those little rotating things that look like mini versions of the Starship Enterprise. I was so confused by this. I think she means a Dymo labeler. Yeah, that would make sense. It has a circular bit and a handle. Okay, yeah, I guess. That's... Man, you could say label maker. You could say label maker, You could yes. say label maker, it would be okay. <laughs> it's very confusing. But also, uh, interesting to notice that... Um, Star Trek is apparently on the approved list of TV shows that kids can know about. It's because mm. it was presumably the original series and it was very old by now. That's true. It's vintage. They can watch yeah. endless reruns of it. It's super vintage. Yeah, I bet you weren't allowed to watch Batman, though, which was like at the exact same time. Um, it had very, very similar production values, uh, <laughs> which we noticed when I was um, growing up. And you were like, oh, man, the... The Batcave has the same kind of equipment that the Bridge of the Enterprise does. <laughs> <laughs> Namely, boxes with twinkly lights on them. <laughs> yeah, do you think they're allowed to watch Next Generation in Stony Brook, or is that, like, too edgy? Mm, uh, too edgy, I'd say. Probably too edgy, yeah. Yeah. Um, Horror movies are fine. Stephen King's okay, but we we don't want to watch. I mean, Show Next Generation has uncouth space Irish in it. You can't have that. Oh, God, the uncouth space Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Next, uh-huh. Next Generation, you know, occasionally tackles issues that are current to the day and not current to the 1960s. Didn't Beverly Crusher have sex with a ghost as well? I think that is the thing that happened. I feel like Anne wouldn't approve. She fully has has sex with a ghost and then is um, (laughs) so cock-blocked by Captain Picard and everyone was like, yeah, this is definitely for the best. Like, (laughs) man, you ruined her life. I hope you realise that. She she and that ghost were getting on great. A, a reviewer I read um, on that was like, yes, he saved her from a horrible future of a, a life of continuous orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh god. No, I feel bad for her. Yeah, it was um it's it's very confusingly uh you're like who is this for? <laughs> who benefits here? A lot of a lot of next gen is like that. Male bosses who are in love with a subordinate. <laughs> yeah. Oh mm. man. <laughs> mm. An awful lot of Deep Space Nine appears to be the writers looking at um Next Generation and going, oh my god, we have to fix what happened in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I assume Next Generation was doing that in conversation with the original series. and The original series wasn't too bad. for us. Definitely for the 60s, it's pretty ahead of its time, so I don't know. I don't know. We watched a few episodes of it a couple of years back and there was a lot of I know this is what passed for Woke, but I want to die right now. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, no, there was yeah, a lot yeah. of that. Probably, probably. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Every generation, etc. Etc. Except no, we're not going to let them off the hook <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> no, we're just going to make a new Star Trek series that's more woke. It'll be fine. There are several at the moment. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you can tell that woke because of the sort of people who are very angry about them on the internet. <laughs> oh, yes, that's how you know, you know you're doing something right. Good times. Anyway, um, Lenny Papadakis is doing a magic show. Um, he has... Uh, set up a theatre with a curtain around it, which is a couple of strung up blankets that block off a corner, <coughs> which I would say was adorably amateurish, but that's literally what we're using as a recording <laughs> booth right now. So yeah. this is all uh, getting set up. There's like inoffensive pike shenanigans. Um, basketballs are getting in the way of things. Mallory is... Um, trying to help and Jessie is like shoving a camera in her face and saying, say cheese! And gets a terrible picture of Mallory. <laughs> Jesse is trolling, I think. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah, Mallory tells her to throw it out, but I think the smart thing to do would be to hang on to it for blackmail material. Mm-hmm. Then they talk about how somebody called Goober is coming. Goober Mansfield. Goober Mansfield is like the star of this book. Um Apparently, his real name is Peter, and he's the star of all the high school plays in a nearby town called Mercer. He's even had a part in a professional theatre production of Shenandoah. Um, Jessie found out about him in ballet class. One of her classmates is Goober's cousin. The cousin mentioned that Goober did a dinosaur show at parties, and all the kids there loved it. So yeah, Goober Mansfield sounds like an absolute legend. I can confidently tell you that if I had been like a classmate of Goober Mansfield, I would have had a gigantic hopeless crush on him. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's a theatre kid. Yeah, he's a theatre kid. He is a comedy theatre kid. Um, he showed up at the Pikes in a minivan around 10.30. Mal liked him right away. He had a round face with a goony smile and a loose rubbery body. Just seeing him made her want to laugh. You know how a person sometimes resembles a name? Well, he sort of looked like a Goober. It's a nickname. <laughs> they call him that because he looks like... Yeah. Not, they didn't yeah. christen him Goober. <laughs> hey, it's such a coincidence that your nickname suits you. What are the odds? <laughs> well, I guess that's not a given, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he has brought from home his dinosaur costumes, uh, a paper mache tyrannosaurus head, a pair of big dinosaur feet made from diving clippers, a couple of strange looking masks, a portable cassette player and a bullhorn. He is a consummate professional, you guys. <laughs> Bullhorn. <laughs> oh my god. Goober is banned from this municipality after after this particular party. I want a crossover with Goober and the Flugelmeister. Yes. I want them to put on a stage show together. That's such a good band name. <laughs> the Flugelmeisters? Yes. <laughs> they definitely yodel some of the time. Definitely. Yes. So other stuff happens, but honestly, I only have eyes for Goober Mansfield. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, 
he dramatically pretends to be a giant duckbill dinosaur with a dinosaur mask. Um, then, like, rides around in dinosaurian agony. Uh, gets all the kids' attention and they're very excited. Um, even Adam and Jordan put down their basketballs and stared. Yes, Karen? Why is he dying? Why does he start with the death? <laughs> to get the kids' attention. To get the kids' attention. It's just his opening move. Oh, this guy goes hard. This guy, yeah. he I mean, like, does Mal go is hard. like, everybody gather for the show and he just grabs that bullhorn and makes dying dinosaur noises and everyone's like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> Mallory has no stage presence. Goober knows what he's doing. Goober impersonated different dinosaurs, talking about their characteristics, when they lived, whether they ate plants or meat, things like that. Then my most favorite sentence yeah. of mm-hmm. all time. He even performed an original dinosaur rap song dressed as a stegosaurus. This is the most 90s thing that has ever happened. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> what I wrote in my note. Well, yeah, that is just the most perfectly ni- early 90s yes, sentence early 90s. ever. I also like 1000% we can all agree that the first line of it was, I'm a stegosaurus and I'm here to say. Oh, 100%. Yes. My yes. back is spiny in a major way. <laughs> I will say uh, the Storybots actually did this quite recently and their um, Velociraptor rap is the absolute best note perfect um, impression of the Beastie Boys that has ever existed. You can tell which of the Velociraptors is which Beastie Boy. That's amazing. Uh, It's wonderful. Go and listen to it if you're in any way inclined towards dinosaurs or old school hip hop. Um. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh man. That's actually reminding me. When I was about 12 couple of friends of mine wrote a rap version of Disney's Aladdin. <laughs> like the whole thing? Oh yeah, they did the whole thing and they typed it out on their typewriter. <laughs> and I think they had a, yeah, and, and, and we each had a copy because they could do it with carbon paper or they did, or they, no, they <laughs> had a photocopier. They had a photocopier. They were fancy. <laughs> they didn't have it mimeographed. <laughs> and um, we were all going to gonna perform it uh, just in another friend's back garden. And then actually, no, my, my dog died so we, that day, so it didn't happen. I was going to be Aladdin. Oh, no. I had a waistcoat on. Oh, no. <laughs> I was waiting for this. Did it just get cancelled? Did they have yeah, an understudy? Yeah, we did. We didn't. I mean, nobody was going to see it, so there was no understudy. <laughs> but the opening lines were, this is Agrabah, the city of mystery. You'll find it has a lot of history. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's not, not worse than I what's actually the, yeah. in the lines. <laughs> I have the best bargains in all of Israel, from a bucket of water to a silk veil. And they were like, I know it's not Israel, but it's vaguely the right sort of location, okay? And it rhymes. Places where sand is. It's yeah, fine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's... Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Do also, your parents have it in the attic? No, but I bet, I mean, I, I, I bet they have a copy somewhere. <laughs> I bet, I bet the friends, those friends have a copy somewhere. When we do just like a, a, a grab bag episode, we have to, you have to perform a chunk of that. I um, would love to. <laughs> <laughs> in the same one where you do, um, where you torture me with descriptions of eating. <laughs> yeah, yes. sure. Perfect. It's going to be the Eva variety show. <laughs> we'll put on the oldie fans. <laughs> Okay. Jesus. Oh I want to know how Goober is managing his costume changes. Does he just like run around to the van and be like, okay, just wait a second and then swap out the giant paper mache I reckon he has them all head. beside him and he just pops them in and pops them back on. It's not a very yeah. discriminating audience. I think he's charismatic enough that he can do that and still make it look good. Okay. I don't think it looks good, but I don't think anyone cares because they love him so much, basically. Basically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's basically what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Only I was more pretentious about it. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> 
Um, so then um, it all goes awry when the Perkinses arrive with Chewie. And Goober says in character, oh, is that what took over after we became extinct? Chewie is not impressed by Goober's dinosaur mask and gets very angry um, and then gets very afraid and runs off. And as Chewie is wont to do, he knocks everything over and causes chaos and the carnival ends up in disarray and Jamie Newton cries. We all know that Chewie cannot be brought to this type of thing. No. I have real, I have questions. Chewie is the kind of dog who would absolutely steal somebody's eggs Benedict at the farmer's market. (laughs) Not that that happened to some close family members of mine and their dog. (laughs) (laughs) Now, just an arbitrary example of the kind of mischief a dog could get into if you're so inclined. I would probably be very charmed to have my eggs Benedict stolen by a dog, provided that the dog's owners gave me money to get another eggs Benedict. This woman was not happy. Oh no. And they replaced her eggs Benedict. <laughs> Apparently there were many dog lovers around who were sympathetic about it, but not not the specific eggs Benedict like, <laughs> owner. Once they were replaced, then you know There's no harm done. Like I would say having your eggs Benedict stolen by a dog at the farmer's market is the most hilariously middle class problem it's possible <laughs> to have. And if that happened to me, I would tell everyone about it for the rest of my life. I like t- telling people about your parents' bad dog who did that. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's, it's so a perfect funny. story. I mean, he's... She- she, the, the ex-Benedict got replaced and she got a cool anecdote out of it. What is this woman still complaining about? Like, yeah, the the dog is a good boy. Um, but he fully was like, I'm going to do something bold today. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a good boy overall, but he's a good boy who does yes. bad things sometimes. He visits hospitals, he gives blood, <laughs> but sometimes he steals someone's ex <laughs> oh. I mean, we all have our off days. <laughs> My poor mom, you can still really upset her by mentioning the eggs Benedict. She's oh, no. not over it. Oh. Yeah. The trauma. If you're listening to this, St. Anne's Park lady, you're mean. <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed your blood eggs Benedict. <laughs> Actually, much like that, they agree that the chaos and the Goober Mansfield related disaster um, was a good thing in the long run because the carnival got way more crowded and <laughs> it means that everyone will remember the hilarity forever. So like these guys... with a toothbrush at a wedding. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of adorable small creatures ruining events. <laughs> My wedding was not ruined by the baby. Not no, or the it was enhanced. Greatly yes. enhanced by the toothbrush. <laughs> oh, that sounds like it was boring before the toothbrush incident. What are you trying to say, maid of honour? <laughs> it was a, a flawless, eventless wedding that was like going smoothly and accordingly to plan and then it became a chaos wedding with a baby stomping around with a toothbrush (laughs) you stole off a smaller baby and you're welcome (laughs) yeah Yeah, fair (laughs) um so yes they decide that it was all for the best and it all worked out and they have a good attitude to these kind of chaotic disasters and Mm eggs benedict lady could have learned a lot from them Mm -hmm. (laughs) she could um next claudia is babysitting at the radowski's and um, Mrs. Radowski is a fucking chancer. <laughs> she has so much neck in this. So yeah, Mrs. Radowski has the bright idea um, to throw a yard sale and get families to donate things they don't need anymore. And they can use her backyard. And oh yeah, can the babysitters run it? Um, and can, she, can this all happen when she's not there? Yeah. Like, 
unbelievable fucking cheek. I will say, I wonder if this is kind of um, like, babysitters, you came up with this whole idea. Now my children won't stop talking about it. Would you like to uh, just (laughs) reap what you've sowed for a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this fucking sucks. (laughs) Yeah, there may be a bit of that. um, But also, like, I cannot envisage having the absolute yeah, no. ovaries to just be like, <laughs> could you run a yard sale and sell my crap while I'm busy elsewhere? Could you do that for me? Mm-hmm. Um, so nobody's actually very keen to do this, uh, but Claudia gets stuck with it because she tends to be usually paired up with Jackie Radowski. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, this is when things start to get kind of chaotic. Um, So Jackie and Shay get Claudia to design a flyer and they plaster it all over the school and then they go around and collect the random crap that the local families are getting rid of. They have lamps, old chairs, paintings, boxes of books, appliances, silverware, etc. Nobody is selling a coil of rope for $60, but give them time. (laughs) Then the kids all demand receipts for their donations uh, so that they can show these off and get prizes at the sleepover. Um, Then Jackie and Shay keep going through the house and um, pulling out other stuff like jewellery and glassware that they can sell. And Mr. and Mrs. Radowski keeps um, rescuing the stuff. Um, They try to steal the blender. (laughs) Um, but their parents refuse this Uh, so they instead they take the juicer and the waffle maker and a bunch of glassware Um, that gets taken care of because obviously Jackie breaks it Um, Mm -hmm. and that's what Miss Radowski or that's what Mrs. Radowski signed up for when she allowed her child to become involved in this so speaking of reaping what you sowed yes Um, so when the sale uh, happens the parents turn up and start to notice things that they do not remember agreeing to donate. Mrs. Delaney picked up a big, expensive-looking lamp and said, Hey, that's my lamp. I think we can safely assume that the lamp is ugly as hell. Mm. And, and it cost a, several hundred dollars and not worth. Has a lot of guilt. Um, I mean, gilding, not shame. <laughs> <laughs> I did have to reparse it. When you yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, G-I-L-T. Yeah. <laughs> then... I, I love this Watsonism. Um, Claudia is manning a table with a bunch of books and Watson comes over and says, Hi, Claudia, what sort of literature are you peddling? <laughs> That's so accusational. No. It's like, is this the cult table? <laughs> what are these pamphlets about? I, I do have to say, though, he recognises his own like antique books there, but he recognises it because his own name is written on it. Who writes their name inside of, like antique book? I mean... Write your name in Byro. Just keep it. I, mean, I know people who put um, uh, book plates in. Yeah, yeah. but like, I, I know I wouldn't write my name on a on a on a on like a hundred year old book. I'd be like, no, it's cool. It doesn't need my name on it. Maybe oh. Watson is a philistine. Yeah, okay, fair. Maybe. Oh, somebody for my birthday got me. They work in Charlie Burns Bookshop, and they got me a nineteen oh seven Collins Etymological Dictionary. They know you so well. I know, I'm so happy. That's amazing. Anyway, sorry, carry on. So yes, Watson um, picks up a collector's edition of Crime and Punishment and he's like, oh yeah, I have this edition. Wait a minute, it's got my name in the front. (laughs) (laughs) Um, David Michael is in trouble. 
Maybe it's just an attractively made, newly bound oh, version be, of yeah. it. I think it was described yeah. as being old leather bed yeah. books, but, you know, like, who yeah. knows? That could be 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. it's fair. Maybe it's a folio edition. Well, they, they're so old and you never, ever read them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair. Um, then, yeah, somebody is also selling a, book, a bunch of picture frames, which... In fairness, David Michael says we're in the attic and Watson said he wanted to throw them out. So I actually don't think Watson has a leg to stand on in that instance. (laughs) He's just frantically recouping all of his property. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Shay Radowski is trying to sell his father's $73 tennis racket. Um, Somebody in the distance yells, you'd better believe that's my radio. Your father bought it for me for our first anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) It's a giant (laughs) hi-fi. Yeah, there's there's chaos, but it all works out okay. Uh, you'll be shocked to hear because the parents remember that it's all in a good cause, and so they just buy back their stuff. I, I like Mr. Radowski's speech here. I think it's it's very nicely phrased. <laughs> yes, do you want to read it? It has come to my attention that certain items at the sale might not be uh, authorised. <laughs> They are stolen. Um, I think some of our collectors have been a little overzealous. I want to offer my apologies, and I hope this won't dampen the spirit of giving. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Remind everybody why they're here. Perhaps we should take a few moments to sort out the sale items from the non-sale items before we go on. And I assure you, if anything is missing, I'll be responsible. Thank you. Yeah, so that's actually... yeah, That's a good way to do it. Well handled, well handled. Yeah. And since everyone is in the same boat, they all kind of laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Go along with it. And Mrs. Delaney is like, oh, you know, the lamp is a little clunky looking anyway. I'll let it go. (laughs) So last year. (laughs) Um, So yes, everyone takes it in good humour. Although a few parents drag their kids home clutching jewellery or coffee pots. But for the most part, they're very (laughs) understanding. Um, then we cut to the barn where Dawn is taking collections for the food drive sorry Dawn is taking collections for the clothing drive Um, Mm. Buddy Barrett has turned up with a huge box of clothes and Dawn is wearily writing receipts for everything everyone has brought tons and tons of clothes Um, because they haven't consulted with the Zuni uh, pen pals they have no idea what clothes anyone needs or anything like that but like that's not an issue we don't know anything about why would that matter like, yep no totally mm-hmm. fine so um get your skis share <laughs> yeah. exactly uh buddy has brought a silk nightgown um and a terry cloth robe um and a bunch of like baby formula which is like actually potentially useful yeah don tries to talk him out of it uh, he says, Marnie grew out of that stuff a long time ago, and your mom said you could take it? I don't know what they need the formula for if the baby doesn't need it. Like, I think this is good. <laughs> how in date is it as well? But yeah. How, yeah, how old is Marnie? <laughs> That's a good question. I think she's like two or something. She's two, yeah. I'll have to. That's probably okay. Um, then Don looks around at everything they've collected and realizes that, like, Some of this stuff absolutely sucks and she's embarrassed at the thought of sending it. There is a, there were fashions that were prehistoric, like a polyester pale blue leisure suit with stretched out pockets. I don't even know what a leisure suit is. Is it like a tracksuit or is it like a suit suit? I think it's a one piece. Um, Oh, like a jumpsuit? I think it's a jumpsuit uh, and I think this is for a man, um... Like, I'm thinking of Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what that is. And it sounds like it's hard, had some hardware yeah. with the, the pockets. The pockets. There were shoes that were so old and worn, you could tell exactly what the people's feet looked like. 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. A leisure suit is a casual suit consisting of shirt-like jacket and matching trousers, often associated with American oh, influence, fashion, and fads of the 1970s. The so, these kind of suits. Oh, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Examples of that was a, a Wikipedia article on the leisure suit. Uh, examples of the leisure suit based on the safari jacket. Uh, oh, they were originally known as Hollywood suits. <laughs> <laughs> and it's close enough in time to this that yeah. it's really out of fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Frequently associated with disco culture. <laughs> yes. Yes. That makes sense. Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, Dawn is, uh, yeah, understandably appalled by that. There were also some things that were quite beautiful. I ran my fingers down a gorgeous silky nightgown with what looked like a hand-painted flower pattern. There were designer dresses I would die to wear. Someone had brought his and hers running shoes that looked like they hadn't been worn. His and hers matching shoes is a really weird concept. It's the suburbs. (laughs) I guess. Also, it reminds me of like all of those um, like awful mommy Instagrams where everyone is wearing Mm. matching shades of beige and grey. You know. For the family Christmas photo. Uh, no, just for all of them. No, <laughs> yeah. just for the real, for the Instagram. For sad the, beige kids. Yeah, sad beige kids and <laughs> sad beige families. Yeah. Um, also in a delightful, like, unintentional crossover with Clueless, people are donating caviar. <laughs> yes. Um, so yes, Dawn reflects on the fact that some of this food is more practical than others, but like... Uh, She's kind of judgy about the fact that someone's donated cocoa powder and imported chocolates. And like, that's okay. Yeah. Keep, poor people can have treats as well. Like, they're, that's, they're not going to be like gone off by the time they get there. So, you know, they might be days. melted by the time they get there, depending if oh, yeah, the U Haul has air conditioning or whatever. Oh. <laughs> yeah. None of this is how they should be going about it. So, why would anyone say hot cocoa people live in the desert? Because it's not hot at night, anyway. Yeah, like, I I think they still have hot beverages. It's fine. In New Mexico, it's fine. Um, Then Dawn checks out a very fancy tailored suit and has a look in the pocket and finds a tailor's receipt dated the week before um, and starts to wonder if the exact same thing has happened with the clothing donations as happened with the yard sale donations. Did we need two chapters to like clarify that this is what happens when you um, put the wrong kind of incentives in place? Yeah. God, actually the whole book is is about that really. Yeah. Like, you know. Only it's not really articulated enough. No, it's no. not. It all works out fine in the end when it, in some ways it should not have. Yes. So yeah, basically this is the exact same thing happening all over again. Um, the Hines family turn up to reclaim the suit. Uh, Rob Hines is embarrassed that he stole the suit, uh, but he really wanted a prize for having the best donations. They exchange the suit for some bags of crap clothes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they insist on having permission slips from the kids' parents for donations in the future. Um, yeah, make the parents do the paperwork. Yeah, definitely. Instead of them having yeah, to I do mean, it. that works. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully the crap clothes were just crapper than a newly tailored brand new three-piece suit as opposed to, you know, actually crap. We know what they're going to be like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all going to have holes in them and they're going to be like 15-year-old <clears throat> old out of fashion. Yeah. Yeah, again, I think this, this fits with your charity shop experience, yes? It, yeah, we used to... I think it was more than three quarters of the stuff that we were donated would uh, get recycled. That said, there was a whole... Um, 
there was a whole chain where like there were other shops that would take the stuff that we were um passing on and then like the worst of it would presumably go into textile recycling yeah and um there was like a shoe recycling thing it was all set up it wasn't like oh we're tossing everything in the bin outside yeah it just it, it gets downgraded <laughs> yeah as it goes also um there's really regional charity shops in this particular charity in dublin um the one in town had like good stuff but not everything was great and then there was one in like uh the fancy um place up on the coast in Malahide uh where it was like that's where we send the designer gear because people pay higher prices up there so yeah 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 the neighborhood charity shop where I grew up um had like one donor who bought really expensive stuff and then chucked it and the people running the charity shop did not know what any of this was worth (gasps) so I think one of my sisters got like a Gucci skirt for four euro one time oh my god yeah that's what you're what you're hoping for when you go thrift shopping. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's not what you're hoping for if you're running a charity, though. No. Uh, well, like I said, we couldn't necessarily put really high prices on on stuff. So, True. Um, yeah, there was one which was by a label I didn't recognize. Like, there's this one really weird skirt um, which was in storage um, that had like an 800 euro price tag still on it. Um, oh boy! You were just like, mm, we're not sure what to do with this. <laughs> It was covered in plastic flowers. It was definitely a very, it was a strange designer label. Yeah. Would you say that on anyone else it would have looked ridiculous, but on Claudia it would look amazing? Actually, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Then we got some other racism against another oh, ethnic yeah. group. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that racism. Yeah. God. So, okay, yes. There's fortune teller based hilarity TM. Mm. Somebody dresses up as Madame Laveau, queen of the problematic stereotypes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, we're going to breeze through this pretty quick. Uh, it's literally all been done in a previous Babysitter's Club book. Mm-hmm. Um, Hayley Braddock dresses up. It's awkward and uncomfortable. <clears throat> um, but she manages to swindle Alan Gray, Justin Forbes and Pete Black out of a ton of money by telling them what they want to hear and then cutting them off and demanding more money if she wants, if they want to hear more of what they want to hear. I mean, I respect that. I respect that. I just wish she was wearing a less problematic outfit and doing a less problematic accent. Yep. Um, I, yeah. So they also um, highlight Justin Mm. as his claim to fame with the babysitters is that he once made a prank call to Stacey saying that he was from the Atlanta pig farm. And we're like, that, that's Marianne's fake um, thing. What, what's going on here? I think it's that there are a number of set prank call jokes like why does it work when Marianne does it then because she can do Logan Southern accent yeah I I don't I don't know I feel like this is um this this feels like a slip (laughs) (laughs) I think it probably is or or maybe um actually I prefer this idea that um Marianne's prank call is original and it got so legendary that it's now being copied (laughs) by the other kids yeah it's circled back around yeah (laughs) with mutations Mm -hmm. um so yes, that happens. Um, Haley does a racism, but it's all in a good cause, and she gets two whole dollars from these extremely gullible thirteen-year-old boys. Everyone does a racism, but it's all in a good cause. Haley's doing racism on racism. I mean, isn't that the, the summary of the book? Really, everyone's yeah. kind of racist, but they think it's in a good cause. Haley is doing racismception. At one point, Alan is like, "Wow, you wouldn't do mine for free, huh?" <laughs> like exposure kills Alan. <laughs> Yeah, pay this racist kid for her labor. <laughs> Nobody's doing scams for free. Like she said, she felt guilty afterward, but Marianne told her not to worry about it. 
I'm like, I know those guys, they're jerks, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Not to victim blame, but these boys deserve to be ripped off a quarter at a time. Yes. Um, meanwhile, Dawn is making a bunch of phone calls. She has talked to a guy at the Stony Brook News, which is so starved for news that they're sending a journalist and a photographer over twice to cover the beginning and end of their sleepover. <laughs> there are no angry pigs. <laughs> In, uh, this week yeah. truck drivers. it is a real slow news week in stony brook mm-hmm. um a pizza place is going to donate a ton of pizzas and a toy store is donating toys for prizes the local businesses are um not that generous they want to make sure that the photographer will be taking pictures of their generosity um which i mean fair i mean fair but it's also hilarious that they're like we'll do this but we want everyone to know how nice we are <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is a recurring theme as well. Yep. Everyone's kindness is very performative. (laughs) Yep. Um, The teachers are coming, bringing their own sleeping bags. Um, Also, three cafeteria workers are volunteering to cook breakfast for everyone in the morning. And the supermarket is donating pancake mix and juice. Um, Then they dither back and forth over how structured the activities for the night should be. Um... And, yeah, we learned that sometimes it's good to have activities and sometimes it's good to just let the kids mill around. So they decided to schedule some activities, but only to use in case the milling around didn't work out. Yep. (laughs) Babysitting tips. I mean, that is actually a reasonable... It's reasonable advice. Let them have their own fun, but if that isn't working, please have something up your sleeve to entertain them with. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. I generally panic by 100 plastic objects to bribe them with in case I think it's not going very well. That's good. Um, That's a tactic. Yeah. That's valid. (laughs) Then it's finally time for the big sleepover. Uh, Chaos is happening. Someone is hooking a tape deck up to the speakers to play music. Um, Mr. Morton, the owner of Pizza Express, has rung up to say that his special shipment of flour hasn't arrived and they can't donate a bunch of pizza after all. So hilariously, Don threatens to, like get pizzas from a rival pizza place instead (laughs) and Mr. Morton suddenly realises he knows someone who can hook him up with some flour after all (laughs) I love that so much I know some of the pies were whole wheat (laughs) (laughs) not at all I practically shouted yeah this is Dawn she's going to be all about these whole wheat pizzas (laughs) Um, so they have almost a hundred kids turning up at the sleepover Um, there's been various chaos there have been setbacks and problems they don't have a sleep. Uh, they don't have a CD player for the sleepover, so they have a tape deck. It's Richard Spear's tape deck. Richard Spear will fucking kill you if that thing has fingerprints on it when he gets it back. <laughs> um, he already doesn't approve of this. Yeah. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Maybe they should have had a less flammable school. <laughs> so the parents drop off all the kids. Some of the kids instantly have homesick panics. Uh, some of them are talked down some of them go home that is very realistic yeah. um, they play a lot of Raffi music way too loud <laughs> um, I to look up Raffi because I'd never heard of Raffi and then it was Me like either. oh right sang banana phone I understand <laughs> oh. like decades long career as a kids entertainer okay. yeah. Nice. Um, then the reporter and the photographer turn up they interview the kids one kid adorably says he wants to pursue his ambition to become a neurobiologist, but he can't pronounce neurobiologist. <laughs> well, baby steps. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> then the pizzas turn up. 
Mr. Morton, like, photobombs several of the other people's photos, which is hilarious. <laughs> Mr. Morton is my favourite throwaway character after Goober Mansfield. Yes. I hope we see him again. No, Mr. Morton is a hero of capitalism. Everyone eats pizza except for a few slices with anchovies, because it's the 90s and anchovies and are comedy are, topping. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I lived so much of my life not eating anchovies and pizza solely because of that. Like, I was told they were disgusting, even though I really like salty things and fish. <laughs> Yeah, I remember about being about 10 and asking my dad, what are anchovies though? Because I hear they're really scary. And he was like, no, they're little fish. They're real nice. We'll get them on a pizza sometime. <laughs> yeah, I ate them and was like, this is amazing. This is great. Christy is talking shite. Oh my God, I want to eat a pizza with anchovies on it so badly right now. I'm yeah, sorry. I desperately I do as well. And like I had one about three days ago. <laughs> That was three days ago. I'm, I'm staying with my parents. I think I can, I can persuade them to order me a pizza. Yay! <laughs> I mean, I could also pay for my own, but then where would be the fun in that? No. <clears throat> What's the point of staying with your parents if they're not going to, like, order you pizza because you've well, been good? That they'll mind my baby so that <laughs> I can do a podcast, actually, is the point. They also got to feed you. They That's give fair. birth to you. That's true. So, yes, they give out prizes donated by the toy store. As um, the delivery people left, we did a quick inventory of the pizza, uh, the prizes and figured out which ones would go to which kids. Oh, my God. I love how they achieve that so fast. That would be the most stressful and difficult thing to decide. Like, this is so last minute. Like, Yeah, this is crazy. Um, it is all planned so that they can get their photo ops, but like, did, no. No. <laughs> Chaos. Disorder. Anarchy. I know. Yeah, this was stressful to read about. Mm. Um, then they're like... Oh, Don, you have to, like, host a prize-giving ceremony. So, Don... Yeah, Mariana's like, oh, you did all the work. You should do this. Like, this is the most backstabby thing Mariana's ever done, and there's some competition here. (laughs) This is such a poison chalice. Why shouldn't you be the one the kids go crazy over? Oh, my God, there's going to be anarchy. Yeah. And also, like... She should just make Christy do it. She'd be great at it. Yeah, this yeah. is like this is a natural Christy task. And like Don did all the work, therefore she shouldn't have to do this. Yes. Oh my god. If you don't like Raggedy Ann, Jordan, you can sit down and shut up. <laughs> Maybe this is Marianne's revenge for all the gaslighting Don did to her at home. Nice. So yes, Don obviously flourishes in this role that she's been thrust into. Uh, she gives out prizes. Um, there's a skateboard, roller skates, video games, a sled. Uh, <clears throat> the Pikes have to share a croquet set among them because there's just too damn many of them. And then they have small token gifts for everybody. Uh, and, you know, those kids will never have killer entrepreneurial instincts because they got participant ribbons. And yeah. this is why they can't buy houses now. Yeah. They that already the toast. They didn't have killer entrepreneurial instincts already because they didn't manage to get their dad's three-piece suit into the <laughs> But since they have also uh, been given a, a reward despite not displaying killer entrepreneurial spirit, they'll never develop any. Yep, they've been ruined. This is why we don't all run our own businesses. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I fully remember the specific participation trophy I got on Sports Day one year. <laughs> I never got a participation trophy in my life. I got participation medals and I cherished them. I just came last <laughs> in things. I also came last. I came third cool. a lot in judo. There weren't a lot of competitors in my weight class. There's usually four or five and I usually, you know, got a medal. So. There you go. Nice. Go you. <laughs> Mediocre. And That's now you own a house. <laughs> just goes to show you. Then, yeah, basically, the kids do a lot of playing. They play assorted games. They tediously take everyone out to go to the bathroom and get changed and brush their teeth. 
Um, this does not take the entire night, and therefore I'm calling bullshit on mm. it. This <laughs> forever with this many small a kids. hundred in, kids. Who have never Jesus. been on sleepovers before, for the most part. Yeah. I don't know how you manage this. No. <laughs> Tell the parents to deliver them in their pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then there's an interaction with a generic adorable Moppet called Johnny. Or, no, sorry, a generic adorable Moppet who's worried about his pen pal called Johnny who is one of the Zuni kids and who's been homeless. And he says, is Johnny going to have dinners now too? Johnny is my pen pal. He told me he wasn't having dinners because his house burned up and he has to stay in a hotel. And Donna's like, well, now he's going to have dinners. We'll make sure of it. Johnny's been waiting three weeks for his dinner. Send cash. (laughs) Send cash, guys. Send cash. Please. We we have to yeah we have to be reminded amid all the fun and games that a giant fire is serious too you know yep. it's not just an excuse to have a big sleepover and then construct a plot around that endpoint. Oh my god, there are so many ways you could have done. That. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> let's get out. Let's let's get out of the sleepover. Let's get these kids. Wire to bed. them some money for food, please. <laughs> so the kids settle down unrealistically compliantly into their sleeping bags. Um. And then more realistically, they start having nightmares and getting homesick again. Um, they have Charlie horses. They constantly need the bathroom. <laughs> Karen yeah. is traumatized by the description <laughs> of a Charlie horse. Someone has night terrors. Jordan Pike gets in a fight with another boy about where they can put their feet while they sleep. That is extremely <laughs> realistic. Did you see the bit where Mrs. Besser said, do me a favor, would you mind staying exactly the same age for a few years? <laughs> I know. child on the... Fr- we laughed. Some of the kids turned their sleeping bags to see what was going on. We'll see what we can do, I said. Maybe this is all Mrs. Besser's fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's the one who made the cursed wish. I think there's already been everyone. too many Halloweens, but still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's not helping. <laughs> I wish your brother could have been here to see it. He would have been proud. Jeff's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's just in California. He's having a great time. <laughs> and like the Jeff you knew was like a demon child, okay? <laughs> I don't wish I don't wish he was here at all. No, there's no way Miss Besser would wish Jeff was here. No, he would not have cared about this charitable fundraiser. Miss Besser has been replaced, you guys. That's why they don't recognize her. Yes. Okay. Done. There's two Miss Bessers at the school, and this one is just rolling along and pretending that she taught Jeff. Yeah. I would say that's unlikely, but we actually had two Miss Gormleys at our school. Yeah. Yeah, we had a couple of Miss Mullinses. Yeah, th- none of these are the top most. Yeah. It's not like having two Murphys or Kellys or something. Yeah, these are fairly unlikely coincidences, and yeah. Maybe Miss Besser ran, ran foul of Miss Ferk's bar. <laughs> ah, Miss Ferk's bar, indeed. That's why they, she lost a fight with her, and then they had to get a new one. I envision Miss Ferk's bar as a slightly less um, tracksuit-clad Mrs. Trunchbull. Yes, yes Exactly. <laughs> I can say first bar. I just couldn't because I was laughing. <laughs> okay, go, go on. Let's get out. Let's do this thing. Someone pees in a sleeping bag. Someone throws up from having eaten too much pizza. Then finally the morning comes. At 5.30, the supermarket delivery people and the cafeteria volunteers arrive. They start making pancakes. Um, the kids are chaotic. Uh, boys run around with their sleeping bags tied around their necks like capes, which gives me anxiety. Um... They have a huge pancake breakfast made by the Kindy Cafeteria volunteers. Um, there's orange, apple and grapefruit juice and lots of milk and coffee. The last thing this situation <laughs> needs added to it is coffee. Like, who is the coffee for? The oldest people here are 13. Probably the teachers. Um, yeah. 
the teachers and they're drinking the entire thing of it. Yeah. They need it. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I assume the teachers are swilling it, but like, oh my god, imagine all these kids all caffeinated up. So yeah, Byron Pike gets a genuine laugh out of me by entertaining a group of boys by putting two strips of pancake under his nose to look like a mustache. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Some of the kid chaos in this is the most realistic the kid chaos in these books yes. have been. <laughs> um, then all the kids start fighting over juice and whatever. And then the parents turn up and the babysitters are immensely relieved. Parents, I say, like someone stranded in the desert might say water. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, they they thankfully, gratefully get rid of all these kids, send them back home. Um, the photographer and reporter come back to do a follow up. I cannot believe how dedicated these people are. You cannot believe how little news there is in this town. Yes. Um, then the gym is deserted and full of filth, strewn around the floor with candy wrappers, shoelaces, toothbrushes, plastic cups, underwear, and a couple of pizza crusts. Who has shed their underwear in the process? Of this? <laughs> Do you know what? No, no. Everything, everything, including the toothbrushes and the underwear, is getting swept up and put in the bin. Oh, yes. absolutely, yes. Yeah. There, there is no lost and found here. No, they're not returning the underwear. <laughs> Those underwear are dead to you. Um, then they wrap it all up pretty quickly. Um, they load all the donations into Ms. Reynolds' minivan. Oh, yeah, we don't know how much money they raised, but it's a lot. Yes. It's an uns- it's unspecified. Yeah. Apparently, the postal costs came out of the money they collected. You know mm. how you could have avoided postal costs? By sending them fucking money. Mm-hmm. Also, you're not posting this shit. This is hire a lorry territory, mm. not put it in the post territory. Except who's going to drive across the country? It would take like four days. I know. You would have to pay somebody to do that, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, this, I asked you this in the first chapter, Dawn. <laughs> Third chapter. And she paid no attention. Um, uh, just as an aside, um, Dawn made Stacey count the total four times. And I was like, maybe she got an extent. Maybe you should have got an independent <laughs> auditor as well. Just to be honest. Someone from KPMG side. to make sure everything is above board. <laughs> um, yes. Claudia has done some detective work and found the contact details for the principal of the Zuni school and got New Mexico information for his home address. Our Goodreads informant tells us that this is wildly unrealistic. Um, the houses in Zuni did not have like individual postal addresses at the time. You would just send things to like mm-hmm. the post office in town and New Mexico information would have been absolutely no help in this situation. But um, Fantastic. I guess Harry and Judy Colt... Gave Anne some bad info. It's all their fault. Harry and... She didn't ask something. Was she, she? she just assumed. She, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Definitely. They may not <clears throat> exist. Um, then we get a completely nonsensical conclusion because the Zuni were apparently just sitting around wringing their hands until these donations came in. They were inspired by the go-getter attitude of the Stony Brook kids and now they've decided to do some fundraising of their own because this would never mm-hmm. have occurred to them without this, like these white role models. Also, in an extremely vague statement, we are told the money you sent has enabled us to obtain financing for the construction of a new school. None of that is how money works. No, no. I mean, like it just is 
up to the government to do that when your school burns down. There is presumably some form of insurance on all these buildings, guys. The government, perhaps partly as a reaction to the positive efforts we are displaying, agreed today to grant us substantial disaster funding. That's like, not... you got to earn that disaster no. relief, guys. If the government saw that you had received substantial amount of money, they're going, right, well, we'll subtract that amount from the disaster funding. Then you, you, you've already got that. Yes. Um, mm. Goodreads Lisa also says that actually in real life, this might have made things substantially harder to get anything from the government yeah. and like screwed things up considerably for them. So it's okay. It's only like $650, guys. <laughs> yeah. Because they have to spend all the rest of it on postage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, okay. Yeah, right. so this is terrible. In conclusion, you should send people cash. Um, it, when they ask for it. <laughs> yes, uh, and you should definitely like ask, is there something I can do instead of I've decided what you need and I'm sending you a ton of caviar. Surprise! <laughs> in a minivan. <laughs> yeah. So so that was... that was. Um, I will say that the big sleepover. one of the letters from a friend is kind of like phrased in a fun way oh yes the, uh, it becomes apparent that uh no, the 200 small children did not keep the secret very effectively um astonishing uh and total of one of them leaked at least oh yeah probably oh, more of them yeah. um but uh one of them sent back an endearingly sassy letter for a fictional character which says anyway thank you for sending me the fortune please send another one <laughs> <laughs> it was like i think that's the only correct response there yes <laughs> yeah, i was like Yes, this time, Haley, disguise your handwriting better. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Madame Laveau. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. God. So yeah, thankfully, we're done with that. Um, let's hastily get through the fashion report while my iPad still has a tiny amount of battery. <laughs> um. Oh my God, I can't find anything in iBooks since they like updated. Um. Yeah. It's not called iBooks. It's I just know. Apple Books now. Claudia's um example outfit is a bright yellow oversized man's jacket with rolled up sleeves, a wide paisley tie right out of the 1960s, orange stirrup pants, ankle boots, and huge hoop earrings. And you know what? On her, it looked totally cool. That is the most intense outfit she's had in a while. There is so much going on. I am picturing basically Blossom, only mm. without a hat. Um... I, I can't say if I feel like this is a good or bad outfit. It's just a lot of outfit. Um, and then we have another Claudia outfit at the next meeting. Oh my God, this outfit is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Aoife, do you want to give it to us? Sure, yeah. Claudia greeted us at the door to her room with her hair in a ponytail on top of her head, held up by a huge barrette in the shape of a bone like pebbles in the Flintstones. It made her hair bounce when she moved. She was even wearing a pebbles-type outfit, a pink off-the-shoulder blouse with the huge polka dots and a ragged bottom over black tights. On anyone else, it would have looked dumb or babyish. But on <laughs> Claudia, it looked cool. I mean, that's an amazing outfit. Yeah, yeah that I, is I love that. really playful. Yes. We have a brief um, mention that when Claudia sits for the Radowskis, she always wears her most indestructible clothes. And if she had a suit of armour, that would probably be better. I love that. <laughs> yep. There's some charming stuff in this book. It's such a shame that it's like... Everything else. And everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Anna Martin's note at the end is all about sleepovers and not about Zuni people. Um, yeah. Well, she not know anything about Zuni. The one thing I like, yeah, clearly, her, her favourite sleepover activity as a child was watching Alfred Hitchcock's movie The Birds, but she grew up before VCRs, so they had to wait until The Birds was going to be on television and then plan the sleepover around it, and I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> 
Mm. Yeah, that is very quaint. You can imagine checking the TV guide frantically and then being like, wait, wait, here we go. <laughs> oh no, it's on at 3am on TT Car. <laughs> we have to build our whole weekend around. In it's... Irish. <laughs> um... Also, if Anne and Martin grew up being really into Alfred Hitchcock, that does provide a little bit of context for Marianne being into Stephen King, because Stephen King is basically the Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. So I can see why offhand she would think, that's what the tweens are into now. But like, the the these things are not interchangeable. No. <laughs> They're a bit grittier. So Karen... Is everyone terrible in this? <laughs> um, white people are terrible. Shall we wrap up? <laughs> uh, no. Um, there, there's a lot of well-meaning stuff going on, but pretty much everybody shows their ass in this. Yep. Um, possibly except Christy. I don't know. She's still participating in the whole thing. Um, the the Zuni pen pals are not terrible. Um, but however, they are not very well represented. So I don't even know, guys. I don't. I don't. I don't even feel qualified to comment on this. Everyone is terrible in this, including Anne. Yeah, especially Anne. Especially the author. (laughs) Yes. And the cults. And the cults. Yeah, Harry and... Susan? No, it wasn't. It was... uh, Sandy. Sandy, that's it. Sandy cult. Mm -hmm. There we go. Sandy cult. It doesn't matter. She's fake. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, you guys. Okay, hit us up on the social. Rant with us about how terrible this book was. Commiserate with us. I guess disagree with us. But, definitely uh, read Lisa's Goodreads review. Yes. I mean, disagree with us, but not about the fact that it's racist. Because that is okay. <laughs> yeah. It just is. Oh, unless you're literally Harry and Sandy cult and you're actually mainstays of the Zuni community oh. and we've like done you dirty in this. <laughs> um, yeah, correct us on anything we did get wrong. Um, we would love to know more about this. Um, but like, yeah, this book appears to be a shit show. <laughs> Um, we're yeah. on Twitter as a podcast Dawn. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as the podcast at Dawn's House. We're on Mastodon at at podcast Dawn at mastodon.ie. Uh, you can email us at the podcast at Dawn's House at gmail.com and you can rate and review us in your podcast app of choice. Um, and we also have a Kofi, and we're not going to specify what you can do about that because that would be embarrassing for us. I oh, know. I mean, you can give us money uh, if you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, that's absolutely fine as well. Guys, Carry everyone on. knows how the Kofi works. Eva, you made the subtext text. <laughs> I know. I'm the shameless one. I'm sorry. You're I'm always sorry. embarrassed, and she's always unembarrassed. Okay, l- listen. I, I'm not. But you know, like, it's if you feel like it. Like, we don't need it. It's cool either way. In conclusion. In conclusion, our next book is going to be... Babysitter's Club Super Special number six, New York, New York. Ooh. Yay. Let's get out of Stony Brook for a while, you guys. <laughs> Let's shake the dust of this one horse town off our feet. And, and not to West Dakota either, because that was not a refreshing excursion. No, but I do refer to any unknown American location as West Dakota now, so <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> well, so that book wasn't a total waste of no, our time. It wasn't. <laughs> In conclusion, can I suggest... Make sure if you have any kind of good impulse um, that you have a photographer and a news team there to document it. <laughs> <laughs>